welcome to another episode of the Bear Ash Podcast. I'm Chase. And I'm Manny. Mm. And we've already lit our cigars. Oh, yeah. And uh, we got some special cigars today. We do. We do. What are you smoking there, Manny? Well, we got a lot to talk about um, because this is going to take a long time to smoke. <laughs> so uh, if you're listening, pause. Go get the biggest cigar you have and light it, and maybe it'll last as long. Yeah, this is a the bunch of little ones. <laughs> yes, and tape them together with rolling papers. <laughs> yep. Uh, this little is cigar glue. <laughs> this is the Liga Privada Unico Serie A, mm. um, which is, from what I understand, a very rare cigar. Yes. And is from 2011. I don't believe it's been released since. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I think it's only one batch from 2011. I'm pretty sure. I, I have some, I'm going to read some stuff on the show today. But mm. uh, yeah, everything I've seen is it was a release at the, oh, whatever, some show in Las Vegas in 2011 for tobacco. But this Big was. Smoke. IPCPR. Oh. Yeah. International Puerto Rican crazy. Yeah, you're always trying to make everything about you. Puerto Rican? I don't yeah. I don't know. Yep. Um so this I was not there. This was a gift from an extremely extremely generous friend who's also very good looking I might add. Wow. Um he, he I don't uh, remember giving you this cigar. Oh, oh, you. It's not you. <laughs> oh. I got to give a shout out to my buddy Jay. Um, so uh, he's, on, he's on the Insta at JB1231. I believe he uh, helps man the tables at the, is it Wounded Warrior events at, that have tables at Drew Estate or the Cigars for Warriors? One of the two. Yeah, one of those two, um, I, I think you were telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it had been a while since he and I caught up. We went to high school together, and we were friends. And one day I mistakenly mistakenly sent him a very obscene picture, thinking he was a different Jay. <laughs> um, and then he responded with, wow, haven't talked to you in a while. That's funny. <laughs> and uh, I was you a little embarrassed. From there. Little embarrassed, but then he he uh, we ended up talking cigars, and uh, I sent him a package of some cigars I thought he might ought to try, and he sent me a very very generous package, including this wow. Liga Privada Serie A cigar. I, oh, excuse me, sorry, breathing a little smoke there. Don't well, worry, that wasn't, that, that wasn't Corona. <laughs> um, but I do have to say, I think that tops any cigar I've given you. So far, yeah, probably. Uh, this is huge, and I believe it's it's going to be. Said. Yeah, well, I don't like to you know get your expectations up or your hopes too high, but yeah, it is nine and a quarter inches. Dang! By forty-seven ring gauge, mm. so it's like a giant, giant T fifty-two essentially. Yeah, oh. from I believe two thousand eleven. I'll have to. That's I'm beautiful. not a cigar expert but i think it's from 2011 well that you aren't i'm good but at smoking them though that is Thanks, true man. <laughs> yeah well i am not smoking the series a mainly because i couldn't find one anywhere 
Um, but I am smoking a cigar that I've had in my humidor for a while. Um, as Manny, you talked about smoking that cigar. So I was looking for one of the biggest cigars. And I thought something that was a treat. But I've had stashed away in my humidor for probably almost three years. Uh, Tatuaje. I actually had to, I couldn't remember what it was called. So I had to do some research just to figure out what the cigar was called. Um, but it is the, uh, the Tatuaje Gran Cajuna. Um, it is Grand a Kahuna. six and a half inch cigar by a 60 ring gauge. So quite not as, it's not as long, got a little more girth to it. So maybe, uh, maybe I could try and catch up to you. Or we'll see. We'll see. You. I'm anticipating this will probably smoke a good two hours, but we'll see. I, I mean, I thought the same thing for the, uh, what was it? The feral pig. Yeah. But that didn't smoke quite as long as I thought it would. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like this cigar I'm smoking. This is the first time I've ever smoked this cigar, and uh, it is. It's got quite a draw on it. So who knows how fast it'll smoke? Well, well, I guess we will know by the Chase, end of this episode. What do you mean by draw? Oh, well, uh, I mean like as I take a drag through the cigar, it seems to be a lot of airflow coming through the cigar, which doesn't necessarily mean it's a loosely rolled cigar. It could just be how the cigar is intended to be smoked and rolled. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as opposed to sometimes you light up a cigar and you try to take a puff and a draw and it seems really tight. Like there's not a lot of air movement going through the, uh, the cigar itself, but this one is wide open. An open draw versus a tight draw. Yeah. I guess if you want to be all technical, you could call it that. Or a loose draw. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I'm smoking. And I'm excited for it. And so far, it is delicious. What's What's really got me admiring this cigar that I'm ha- uh, holding, the Liga Pravada Serie A, is because it's so big, it's pretty flawless as far as the wrapper goes. Yeah, it's impressive. And it's been sitting for this long, and it has no flaws whatsoever. It's a it's a pretty dense cigar. It's a real dark, dark color. It's not black. Uh, but it's like a real dark brown. Kind of looks like, oh, brown leather. Yeah, but it would be from, similar to the uh, other ligas. That's correct. Color. That's correct. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is, from what I understand, pretty similar to the T52 blend. So this is going to be burning for a while, and I will keep you posted. So Please far. Do. Please do. Oh, well, let me, let, me, let me update you with a first post. Yeah. So far, it did start out kind of strong, but good. Um, tasted a lot like coffee, like a bitter dark chocolate. And then as I'm just a little bit into it, it's not quite as strong at the moment. It's kind of mellowed out a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, mine is also has a, has a very dark wrapper. I've gotten mixed reviews on what the wrapper is, but it seems like most of what I've read has said that it's a Connecticut Broadleaf. Um, I have also read that it's a Habano Montefino wrapper, but I don't know if that's accurate since that was only one out of a couple different descriptions. Um, but yeah, I mean, on, on my first light of the cigar, it's a little spicy. I feel like some tatuajes kind of do that. Um, but really just, I mean, like dark chocolate, like just smooth, smooth, like almost like a, like a cappuccino type of coffee, like kind of creamy. I'm not pairing it with a coffee. I just have a glass of Cabernet out here as I am breaking for tonight. From You're going to have my, a gout flare-up. No, I'm not. 
No, I hear that COVID nineteen keeps keeps away gout, so I should be good. Oh, is that the latest? Mm-hmm. Hot off the presses. Well, I made a very good choice, and I am pairing mine with a Guinness. Ooh, look at you! Still, yep. uh, still holding on to St. Patty's Day. I'm trying. Mm. So. Check us out at Bear Ash Podcast on Instagram. <laughs> Why is that funny? Also, Chase, you need to... Well, it's not funny. I'm just trying to put a positive spin on things by giggling oh. right after them. <laughs> is that what we should do during these trying times? <laughs> yeah, I think after every statement, you should end with... <laughs> <laughs> See? It, lifts, it really right. lifts your spirits. <laughs> You're right. I feel like I can go lick handrails in the mall right now oh yep that's how that's how positive i feel (laughs) (laughs) yes you'd be positive (laughs) well done well done um all right chase you also need to get to work on our website that's what i've heard by our website designer also known as manny oh (laughs) wait a second yeah, I've owned the domain of our website for a good, I don't know, two months now, and I haven't done anything with it because I've never set up a website before other than like a blog website. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that we're on the older side of millennials. So, are we? Yeah, I mean, we are technically millennials, Manny. But we're older on the older side? You're older than me. Uh, yeah, by a year. Still. A year and two weeks, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, that you're still on the older side. Don't even try that. Okay. Well, old fart. I need to get to work on that because in our Instagram thing, we only have a link to the Apple podcast app because I don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. That's it. That's my update for technology this week. Nicely done. I mean, thanks, buddy. You'd think with all this, uh, you know, lock in stuff going on that you, you'd be all over that. The shelter in place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our last episode was kind of, uh, I feel like, at the beginning of the real craze and the craziness of COVID-19. But uh, we're, we're another week through, and uh, I feel like it's only gotten crazier. It's a whole new world now. Yeah, it is. I, I got Everything it. is changing. Yeah. I was not allowed to touch aren't any be the same. in my local shop. <laughs> Did, was it wasn't it uh, old virginia tobacco that posted the fyi don't mouth cigars don't be touching them and putting them back things like oh, that. oh yes and they had a sign on the walk-in humidor which i think they should keep there all the time yeah that's so <laughs> nasty that you even have to say that yeah i don't even like when people and granted i used to do this like in high school when i was a novice um where people pick up a cigar and just stick the foot right up to their nose I do that. You have to. You have to no. touch the foot. No, no, no. Let's let me explain why. Because I do this, and I think this is may, maybe where we differ in our etiquette here. Okay. Yeah, go on, you disease-spreading fool. Thank you. So, when I'm picking out a cigar, I feel that is it is acceptable to. Now I do ask to pop it out of the cellophane and touch the nose, or touch your nose to the foot of the cigar, the open end the uncut end if you will and smell through the cigar like you draw air through the cigar almost Mm -hmm. and put your boogers on it but i don't know that's 
because Corona only lasts what a few hours on a dry surface, so you're fine. Um, I I don't think they specify how long it lasts on the surface of tobacco. Until the person right after you does the exact same thing to the first cigar in the box. Yeah. Either way, I just I just don't like it. I don't like when people do that. Once again, I used to be guilty of it. Um, I feel like that when I am picking out a new cigar, um, I, I don't know. I just don't feel the need to have to smell it. I just know what it most likely smells like. Um, and I just fear I'm just going to give it a try. A lot of times I go based on a recommendation of one of the guys that I know in the shop that knows what I like to smoke or also knows what I might like just based on what I like to smoke. Like if I think I should try something different. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I just don't like it. I don't like when people pick them up and they're like touching them. And I, I normally, if I pick up a cigar in my mind, I already feel like I'm buying this cigar. No, you got to check it, it out. You gotta squeeze it and bend it and lick it and get <laughs> it all you. wet. I hate you right now. <clears throat> well, right now you're you're <clears throat> etiquette shaming. Mm, no, I'm not etiquette shaming. I'm just shaming. I don't. I wouldn't call that etiquette. So, find uh, a little more reading on my cigar, Manny. Please share. Please um, share. This is just a description that I actually found on Famous Cigar. Obviously, they're trying to sell the cigar. But uh, one thing I did not realize about the cigar is that it was a... Uh, so oh, let me just read the description. Tatuaje Miami Cigars first saw release in 2003 when a then relative, relatively unknown Pete Johnson and Pepin Garcia teamed up to create a cigar in the tradition of robust, flavorful, medium to full-bodied Cuban cigars. A blend of first-generation Cuban seed tobaccos from Nicaragua are enveloped into gorgeous Ecuadorian Habano wrappers, complete with Cuban-style triple cap. A luxury cigar well worth a box buy. That's where they're trying to sell it. How big but, is that uh, one again? So this is 6.5 by 60 ring gauge. So that's, that's got some girth to it. It's got some girth. One thing I do have to say, which is kind of what intrigued me about this cigar, is when I pulled out of the box, I mean, there is no label on the cigar whatsoever. So it just looks like a hand-rolled, just simple cigar. And uh, one thing that I did, I did realize, or that I do, I recognize the name, so I just looked it up, is uh, Pepin Garcia was a fairly well-known cigar roller in Cuba and had moved to Miami um, and then started rolling in, in the traditional Cuban way and selling cigars. So he teamed up with Tatuaje when they came up with this company. Uh, now, is that, am I, what, it was Pepin, what was his name? Garcia? Garcia. Is that did he have his own line of yeah, cigars? Garcia Vegas, I think it was. That's that was his? No, no I'm completely oh. joking. <laughs> I think Don Pepin. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. I think that that was also him. Okay. So this is Not like a, a collaboration between him and Pete Johnson, who I think is the actual founder and owner of Tatuaje Cigars in Miami, Florida. Johnson. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, it's a very simple looking cigar, but my goodness, is it delicious. Every, uh, I've been kind of just randomly checking out these sites where you can buy these cigars, and every customer review is like five stars, and I agree 100%. This cigar is phenomenal. It's got now, a I lot think... of strength, but it's a very oh, smooth yeah. flavor. And uh, you paid a little bit of money for that. Yeah, I was trying to remember, and I was thinking that I paid around 22 ish dollars. But uh, now that I'm looking at the prices, I probably paid more like 18 to 20 tops. Okay. Okay. But still, it's not a cheap cigar. 
but well worth the price for, uh, you know, not an everyday smoke, obviously. Now, I think some people would, for uh, maybe more for the Liga Pravada Serie A, say, well, you should hold on to that thing. Don't smoke it. I mean, because right now it's nine years old. Yeah. Um, and people might say that's a it's like a collector thing. Yeah. Um, I I agree, but I think what makes it special should be how it's enjoyed. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with with like holding on to a cigar or having a stash or things you want to age or maybe one day smoke, and maybe even do have a collection. But what really makes it valuable is how enjoyable it is, which you can't know mm. until you smoke it. That's true. Same thing as a car. Same thing as a motorcycle. Uh, If it sits around and it's not driven, um, you don't really know how good it is. Yeah, and for me, honestly, like this cigar that I was smoking wasn't more that I was like just really waiting for a special. I mean, I guess I kind of was waiting for not a special occasion, but an occasion. You know, I knew it was a pricey cigar when I bought it. Um, I hadn't had it, Um, but it was more of like this is a big cigar, and when am I going to have the time to really sit and smoke it? Right. Other Um, than on quarantine. Yeah. Or, you know, since you're smoking a big cigar, if you're light up. Because, I mean, if obviously I can go into the smoke shop and buy a box of these if I wanted to. You can't do that with your cigar. So I would no. see, like, if you have a cigar that you really like and you want to see how the flavor profile changes after you age it, then that might make sense to hold on to a cigar for years as a quote-unquote collector's and then every, you know, four years or so just spark one up. But if you've got a cigar like that, that you're not going to necessarily find another one. <laughs> like... And it's, you know it's going to be a delicious cigar. Then who cares if you have it for a year or ten years? Well, I also wonder, really, like what is the point of diminishing returns when it comes to aging a cigar in a humidor? My guess would be that'd be around fifteen years or so for like a yeah. really high quality cigar. At which point, I would imagine it probably starts like some of the flavors and oils start to break down. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of speculating. I've never had a cigar that's been aged past 20 years i've had yeah. old cigars that we found that were 20 years old yeah um like your father-in-law's it's a girls <laughs> from when yes. your wife was born 21 years prior at the time yep i think that that was uh yeah that definitely did not better with age was that the worst cigar you've ever had oh no not the worst that was really really bad though yeah i mean it did sit not in a humidor for 21 years <laughs> Just randomly in the box in a basement. Mind you, a basement that had gotten flood damage, I believe, and smoke damage at one point in time. <laughs> and there were spirits in it, too. Oh, yeah. All kinds of evil spirits. We smoked them out. Good. So, yep. uh, what's it called? You smudged them? Oh, is that is that what you call it? Smudged them with the smoke? Oh. Isn't that what witches do to their houses? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. You're talking to the wrong brown. Sorry, I got to call him later. Call her later. <laughs> so I do have um, some topics, and I also have some reviews for you. Since yeah. we just lit, since we just let's save the reviews because we're going to be smoking for a while. Yeah, we are. Um, we had we had an interesting message conveyed to us from a, a dear old friend friend whose name rhymes with Kip. Yes. Um and Does one of the Kip. <laughs> uh one of the <laughs> one of the things he was wondering is could we cover how to smoke a cigar? You know, there's a lot of folks out there, um, and by a lot 
I mean, there's probably like 10 listeners to our show, but there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> hey, 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 we're at 20 estimated listeners right now. Whoa! That doesn't include cause, you or myself. This is cause for celebration. We should all go out for drinks. We should have a cigar. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we should Zoom for drinks. We should. We could do that. Instagram Live. People right. have been doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what was this gentleman, uh, what, what was he saying, though? Oh, Kip? Felt like we need, yeah, what was Kip talking about that he thought we need to go over You know, smoking, first of all, Kip's sarcasm uh, really warmed and tickled my heart um, <laughs> on, his, on his message that I overheard. <laughs> um, but I also, he, you know, when we talk about just for the basics, like, hey, if you're looking to get into cigars, how do you smoke a cigar? So, I mean, if we can recall back to the age when we were 14 years old and getting cigars and smoking them, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to ask you, like, you know, I didn't even know how to cut it. So, I mean, this is a very important thing. There's always, on a quality cigar at least, going to be a closed end and an open end. Yes. The open end is the one you light, the one that is not capped off. The one that is closed, that is capped off, you have to cut off that little curved cap in order mm-hmm. to open the cigar, in order to light it. And that is the end that you put in your mouth. Um, so remember that. That's my motto. Always put the clipped end in your mouth. Yes. And um, <laughs> um, and you, when you cut the cigar... You know, they have cigar cutters, they have scissors, they have guillotine cutters, like two yes. blades that come together. I've and used a for knife. For the record, for the record, we have gone over some of this in previous yes, episodes if you want some more in-depth details. No, don't listen to those. Don't listen no. to those. <laughs> just, just start from here. Start here. This is the best we got so far. <laughs> we, and we just started it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to cut, just cut on the curve of the cap, not up on the shaft of the cigar where it's straight and not too far down. You just want to cut on the curve on the taper of the cap so that it stays rolled up and it doesn't unravel. That's correct. Um, There is a a line. What Manny's referring to is the line as you look at your cigar. It's an actual separate piece of tobacco that closes up the end of the cigar after the roller has rolled the cigar, and that is the cap. So that's glued on to kind of hold hold those leaves together on the wrapper. So once and you just clip to it, clarif- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, if you clip it beyond that line, then your cigar most likely will unravel because there's nothing holding those leaves together. If you clip it, you know, before the line, like toward the end of that cigar, then that'll keep that, you know, almost always will keep your cigar together as opposed to the wrapper rolling apart. And just to clarify, in case anyone's worried, um, it's not super glue. It's just a usually a vegetable based glue that is OK to smoke. Yes. It is, in case you're worried about that. In case for now, some reason that's what you're worried about in smoking. <laughs> well, we have to worry about that with pipes. You can't use any materials that no, you that, wouldn't want right. to smoke that in a pipe. True. That is true. I, I'm sorry. You can't have any glue in the airway. You can't use any oil, uh, oil-based oh. stains. Yes. Stuff like that, man. Come on. Yeah. So so that, that that's how you get a cigar cut and ready to smoke. Now, I think one of the main reasons why... Now, this fellow... Kip, or even we could even say skip. That even rhymes. Um, yeah, but uh, but or flip. So skip or kip or flip or yep, one of those. Drip. Um, he's someone who uh, no longer, but used to 
be a cigarette smoker. And by cigarette smoker, he used to smoke like two packs a day minimum. Um, and I've had cigars with him in the past. He doesn't, he, he literally, he was talking to me on the phone and said, I think I've had like, I don't know, like three or four cigars since you got married. I was like, dude, that was almost 14 years ago. <laughs> so clearly he needs to step it up a notch. But uh, that's when he had brought up the fact that uh, since he was a cigarette smoker, that every time he smokes a cigar, he always feels like he's always inhaling it and doesn't enjoy it as much as he feels like he should be able to. So how would you deal with that, Manny? Let's say if you were used to inhaling smoke from being a cigarette smoker or even a pipe smoker, because honestly, there's a lot of pipe smokers that inhale their smoke. Um, How would you transition yourself to being able to smoke a cigar without inhaling well, you know, I've been very privileged in my life that I haven't mm-hmm. had to struggle with that kind of adversity of having been a cigarette smoker and now trying to transition to a cigar smoker. Um, because, uh, yes, obviously you do smoke them very differently. You don't inhale a cigar, or at least I would not advise it, and I don't think they taste very good when you do. No. Um, so maybe one of my suggestions would be practice with, you know, a cup of water. Um if you bring, if you want to puff it the same way you would hold water in your mouth and then just spit it out, so you don't actually <laughs> inhale it. Sorry, I've never heard this analogy though. Makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, now that you're saying it does, and, and I'm honestly, I'm about to try it. So continue with water. Yes, continue. All right, do it right on the mic. Yep. So I think that's a good parallel, but you really just hold it in your mouth and then just puff it out without inhaling it, if at all possible. Um, there's no, no one saying you need to blow it through your nose or roll your smoke or retrohale. That's all for <laughs> losers. What are you, what are you doing over there? I was blowing out the water like you just told me to. <laughs> I don't think it worked as well as I thought it would. Well, did it help you become a better smoker? Just practicing that? Let's see. Spot on, baby. Nice. Oh, actually, uh, I have my palate, that, and that tasted delicious. <laughs> I have heard that before, though. Like my uncle was saying, he used to smoke cigarettes, and so he can't light a cigar without inhaling it. It's like a instinct for him. Yeah, I think I've also mentioned on one of our episodes about a fairly popular uh, cigar reviewer um, known as Cigar Vixen would be her, um, I don't know, her kind of online cigar persona name. Um, but she does have something that I kind of laugh at. And I think I mentioned this in the episode that I laugh at this. That's not nice. Um, but when you do it, it makes sense. And actually in talking to Kip, um, I I felt like that it was making sense in order how to describe how to smoke a cigar without inhaling it. And what she does, and this is for the purpose of tasting a cigar. She feels like that it involves all of your senses in your mouth to get all the full flavor of the cigars. When you take a drag, which I'm going to do as I'm talking. And then puff your cheeks out without blowing the smoke out. And she'll hold it in there for a couple seconds and then slowly let it kind of billow out. And it, yep. does, it does kind of give you a little more flavor. But what it also does is it immediately stops you from like taking it into your lungs if you kind of just puff your cheeks out a little bit. So, I mean, if you're kind of just getting used to it, I mean, you're going to look ridiculous for the record. It's um, like use a mouthwash. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so if you just puff your cheeks out, a, you get to kind of taste a little bit more of the cigar than maybe if you're just kind of, you know, like how I'm doing it. I don't necessarily take my time all the time. But uh, also that'll kind of keep you from taking it down into your throat as you first take that drag in. Ooh. Which I think is the initial, like if you can stop that initial like reaction. Let's say if you were a cigarette smoker or if you're just new to smoking cigars, um, I think that can be a common issue. To where someone might light up a cigar for the first time, they've never smoked anything before. 
and their first drag, they just suck it down their lungs. And they're like, this is horrible. This is disgusting. And they never want to do it again. Yep. Hack your lungs out, throw up. I've seen it. Oh, goodness. Oh, that retro. Right. That oh. retro is delicious. Now, what do you mean by retro? Oh, do I need to go over this with you again? Or are you saying for the listeners? <laughs> I just feel like you're using these super hip uh, cigar etiquette terms. Um, that's not super hip. Everyone uses that, by the way, Manny. It was new to me in the last year. Well, sorry. Um, sorry. So a retro hail, right, would be when you take in a puff of smoke. Once again, you shouldn't do this if you're a beginner, I feel like, because you got to kind of get used to smoking first. But uh, as you're exhaling the smoke, you're blowing it out of your mouth, you kind of allow the last little bit to go up through your nasal passage and then kind of roll out your nose and then blow it all out. And it does give you a different flavor. It's like a little I bit just of a smoother. It. Yeah? Without gagging? Yep. I did it twice with this one, and I don't really like the flavor of this one when I retrohale. Mm. I do have to say, Kip also mentioned that's one of his favorite parts of all the episodes he's listened to. Is that you almost always cough when you try to retrohale. When I choke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting better. I'll try it again. You must be listening yeah. to our episodes to learn. Nope, not at all. Oh. I also think it's important to mention, if you buy a cigar, they'll give it to you in a Ziploc bag because it needs to be stored in the proper humidity. It's probably, depending on the temperatures and environment, only good in the uh, Ziploc bag for couple days maybe yeah um after that it's got to get into a humidor of some kind that has a humidification device and the proper percent the proper uh what's what is the measurement that it measures proper percent humidity is 68 to 70 percent mm-hmm. well i've seen a lot of guys in a couple of uh there's a facebook group that i'm on i think it's called c2 I think technically it's like an invite-only Facebook group, so I'm sorry if I just blew up its spot. Ooh. But uh, but there's a bunch of guys that I've seen on there just talking about humidity and relative humidity for the humidors, and there's so many guys that swear by 65, and I just feel like that's too dry. Yeah, it's a little dry for my trend. I have noticed a trend that a ton of guys are going with 65. Guys and gals, I should say. Right. Thank you for including mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. I try to be as inclusive as possible. Um, and then I'd say, uh, for lighting the cigar, um, you, I mean, we could talk about this more in depth than we have already, but, uh, there's different kinds of lighters. Basically, if it's a larger cigar, as far as the ring gauge, which is the girth of the cigar, it can be a little harder to get it all evenly lit on the end, on the foot of the cigar. Sometimes like a torch lighter is handy for getting that lit very quickly. A cigar store will sell you matches, but it can be a little tricky getting it all lit very evenly because it's so big, um, especially if you're kind of new to it. Yeah, Um, I do. I do have to say if you're if you also if you're new to it and you have a torch lighter or you're using a torch lighter, you do have to be kind of careful that you don't torch the crap out of the end of it because it will cause it to taste a little bitter at the beginning. There are some people that will say that it will be bitter for the whole cigar, but I think it's just when you first light it up. Yep. Um, And I think a a good way to look at actually smoking it is having a place to set it down because you want to take breaks in between puffs. I'll usually do like two, maybe three puffs in a row, then I'll let it sit for like 30 seconds. (laughs) 
and um, I'll pick it up again. Like it's not a continuously smoked thing, and it shouldn't go out. So a pipe will go out often, and it's quite common to just relight your pipe if you're smoking a pipe. Yes. Cigars should not go out. Um, no. They can, and there's ways to redeem a cigar that goes out by relighting it like a genius. But ideally, if they're rolled properly and stored properly, they should just continue. And you're smoking it properly. It should just continue to burn very slowly. Um, if it's a really small cigar, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, and a really big cigar, anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours, depending on how big it is. Yeah, I think the longest I've smoked one cigar was like two and a half hours. Yeah, and that was with mine, you in my basement. Oh, I remember. I remember. Oh, I think back to that, and I'm like, how did we get away with that in my dad's uh, house, just smoking uh, for two and a half hours straight? In the same house where he was when he said, room, you can't smoke in your room. Just hot boxing a basement room. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Those were the Arturo Fuente sun-grown double chateaus, I believe. Yeah, baby. Hmm. How is your cigar, by the way, Manny? We're a little bit into this now. You're about so, 30 minutes in. Wow, I've, I've got a ways to go. Um, so I've ashed once. Uh, the you ash fell off once. Yep, my, the ash was bare for a minute, but now it's covered Ooh, up again. All right, thank you. Um, it is kind of... It's actually getting a little stronger at the moment. It's not as sweet. It's kind of reminding me more of what I remember the T-52 blend to be. Yeah. Like a real dry flavored smoke. Um, not very sweet. Um, goes real well with this Guinness yeah. that I have. And that's that's what I've come to expect and like from the T-52s as opposed to the number nines. The T-52s aren't quite as sweet as the number nines. Hmm. Actually, In a few things that opinion. I've read about the Series A is that it, it is similar to T52. Well, are you ready to hear a review of it? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. <laughs> Trying right. to lighten up the mood again? Just a little. You know, these times are hard and everything changed. Uh, so I'm just trying to you know, be uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... This one, this review is actually from 2011. Ooh. So in all fairness, it has not aged nine years like the one I'm smoking now. But here we go. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Today we'll be taking a look at a promotional product from Liga Pravada, the Unico Serie A. About a year ago, there were rumors of a possible A size for the Liga Pravada line in the works at Drew Estate. As you can imagine, being the Liga Pravada whore that I am... I was very excited, as were many people. As the months rolled on, we would hear a little bit here and there about the project, or Jonathan Drew would proudly tease us on Facebook with a video of him smoking from a fresh bundle in his cozy little office. And we would watch, not noticing the drool pile that was collecting on our keyboards. <laughs> That's not drool. Ooh. It wasn't till late spring that samples started trickling out there or out here and there, to select people. And from what I gathered, people enjoyed the smoke and more so enjoyed the sheer size of the Liga Pravada cigar that big. In July 2011 at IPCPR in Las Vegas, even more people got to see the new A-size, now being called the Liga Pravada Unico Serie A. 
All along, League of Provada fans were wondering if this was going to be a full production release, limited release, or what. The month of September answered all questions when an official, when an officially, a beautiful sample box featuring two Liga Provada Unico Serie A cigars were received stateside at the Drew Estate offices, ready for shipment to Liga Provada events. So this is an event-only cigar. Uh, this would be a promotional product and would be made available at events for people who bought a box of Liga Provada. I must say that the box and overall presentation is amazing. They absolutely could not have done a better job. The box is simple. I hate when people review the box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to skip that. All right. Uh, many people are asking if this the is a number is nine. The made blend. of wood. <laughs> it has uh, hinges. Many people are asking if this is a number nine blend, a T52 blend, or some new blend. The answer is that this is indeed a T52 style blend. However, because Ooh. of the unique size of the A, it is more of a tweaked T52 blend because it took altering the blend a bit to work well in a large format. Also, the question as to why there are simply promotional items and not full or limited production releases is a two-part answer. The first being the availability in general of T52 leaf. It's hard enough these days to get a regular production T-52 cigars. Well, that was back in 2011. Let alone trying to fill orders for an A-size Vitola, which requires uniquely sized leaves of tobacco due to the size. Also, Drew Estate wanted to make something special for customers. It's nice to go to an event, purchase a box, and get something truly special. And this is certainly it. Mm. So, some facts about it. Um, It is all Nicaraguan tobacco. Yeah, baby. Let me keep keep this going here here don't let that go out no i'm not okay Ooh. Mm. oh all right <laughs> uh let's see it has a oh it has a connecticut river valley stock cut and cured sun-grown habano wrapper um it has a well this is this is not nicaraguan but i'm gonna read this anyways um wait he lists the filler as T52 blend. Huh. That doesn't... Uh, okay, I got it. Which here. I believe is Nicaraguan. So so I am, am completely mistaken. This is not all Nicaraguan. Um, <laughs> the wrapper is Connecticut. The binder is Brazilian Matafina. <laughs> and the filler is Honduran, Dominican, and Nicaraguan tobaccos. Well, I mean, they probably rolled it in Nicaragua. Uh, it says the yes, they did. Yes. All right, the, so there la, you go. La, la Gran Fabrica Drew Estate. Totally redeemed yourself. All right. I bet, All tickets, right. I bet tickets to Nicaragua are probably cheap right now. Um, probably. I wonder if we'd be barred from traveling there. Probably not, but we'd probably be barred from traveling back. Potentially. At least you'd be in Nicaragua. Yeah. Wouldn't be a bad place to get stuck. Nope. Um, all right. Shall I keep reading? Yes. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. All right. So this gentleman goes on to say, the cigar itself is near perfect. You can tell that these massive mm. leaves used for this large format are hand-selected because both of the samples I have are absolutely perfect. And I would agree with that. This looks like a flawlessly rolled, huge cigar. It's actually it's really, really impressive. They are, oh, he says, they're a wonderful dark chocolate color and are complete. Oh, I already described what it looks like. Okay. Boring. Oh, here we go. There's some interesting things. 
All right. The foot smells of that wonderful warm bread dough aroma I often get with any mm. T-52 blend. It's just wonderful with a nice hint of musty tobacco. The, the pre-light draw is like tasting a salty New York pretzel. It's a sourdough bread flavor with a tinge of salt on the tongue. For sure. And behind it is a nice mellow cedar flavor as well as a touch of leather. All in all, just an absolute near-perfect pre-light experience. One of my favorites to date. So he hasn't even smoked it yet. Yeah. He's just um, talking about the looks of it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what he says. Uh, so, again, this gentleman divides it up into thirds, which you and I have discussed. I'm not sure why, like why it's determined that cigars should be rated in thirds. Just too much but writing to put it in quarters, you know? Well, I was thinking like tenths. Yeah. First 32nd. That would be more accurate. Yeah. All right. So he says, starting off in the first third, the first few puffs reveal a surprisingly mild to medium body with very little pepper or spice and a short, clean finish. As far as flavors go, there is just a faint hint of tobacco. I would hope so. About a half inch into the flavors really start to show, and the overall body rises to a solid medium. The texture of smoke becomes nice and creamy with flavors of cacao, leather, and a wonderful earthy flavor. The finish becomes quite long with flavors of wood, sourdough, and a nice pepper tingle. Mm. Second third. The smoke is plentiful and just pours out of the cigar. Um, the flavor profile has changed a bit with some darker flavors coming into play. A nice cream, espresso, and cacao mix, creating a latte-type flavor. There are standard Liga Pravada tones on the finish with an earthy, musty aroma coming off the cigar. Final third. The cigar reaches a slight point of boredom, where the flavors don't change up a whole lot from the last third, and just the sheer size of the cigar makes you want to just finish it already. The flavors <laughs> remain enjoyable, though, and the body stays at a solid medium. Mm. Okay. Oh, so it said it took him two hours and 15 minutes Dang, to smoke. Man. He said, bottom line, as far as promotional items go, this is an absolute winner. I truly don't believe this format is ever made for anything but a sort of novelty item. I mean, it's a huge cigar, and it takes some real time to sit and enjoy it. It's nothing I would grab on any regular basis whatsoever, but for the capacity it was made for, it is perfect. Oh, what? yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it don't is know made for it is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, that's what it says. I would absolutely be ecstatic to receive this as a freebie when I bought a box of cigars. I thought he did. The presentation is top-notch, <laughs> and the idea to make this is perfect for Liga Pravada fans because it's unique and fun to smoke. Although a touch monotonous at the end, it certainly won't knock you on your ass. It's subtle in its strength and flavor, but in the end, is everything Liga Pravada just a touch lighter in my opinion? Final score, hmm. 87. He doesn't say out of what, but he gave it a score of 87. Yeah, well, if he's doing it in thirds, that might actually be 75. Oh, he might have. Well, so I was thinking maybe. 87 out of 75 is pretty good. Or out of 90, maybe. Yeah, true. It could be out of 90. Could be out of 93. So I, I did read that 
um, when I first got this cigar, I mean, so this has been sitting in my humidor for, I don't know, a year or two. And um, when I first received it, I didn't know anything about it. And I was looking up reviews, and a lot of people say that they got bored with it about halfway through because it never changed flavor. Really? That'd be, yep. That would be so disappointing. Yep. All I could see, I mean, if it's a good cigar, though, to me, a cigar doesn't have to change flavor to be to you know to hold on to it. No, we'll see. I'll let you know. I'll be yeah. honest with you. I won't hold anything back. Yeah. So while I was listening to your review, uh huh, and also reading, <laughs> I realized I may have misspoke with the name of my cigar. Oh, great! I said it was the Grand Cajone, but it is spelled C O J O N U. So that'd be Cajonu, or is that still Cajone? Uh, I don't know. Cajone, Cajonu, maybe. Cajonu. Because <laughs> I got one of those those grande Cajonus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's proper English. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did read though that in the Urban Dictionary, uh, let's say it's Cajone. All right, just because of what it is, what it's described as. But it is Cuban slang to be ballsy or to have big balls. Crazy, willing to do anything. So that's what we would typically refer to as you got cojones. Got some right. cojones. Or I paid you $50 to please stomp on my cojones, get to work. <laughs> is, that, is, that a, is that a phrase that people often use? I'm just using it in a sentence. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, but I do have a little review of uh, of mine if you'd like to hear it, Manny. I would love to hear it. So I did not find a ton of written out reviews of the cigar, um, which I'm surprised with. If I was a review writer, I definitely would write a review because this is delicious. Um, but this one is here on Cigar Dojo. Jordan Godermson. Back in 2012, I found it's, it's it's titled "One Gnarly Stick." I found this attractive cigar in an auction and was instantly captivated by its unusual appearance. The first thing that caught my eye was the lack of a band of any kind. This thing is naked and twisted. Ugh. I'm not sure what he's getting to there. Combined with a deep dark wrapper and massive size, I couldn't resist. I imagine this is something that early settlers might have found American Indians smoking. <laughs> uh huh. And I was just as fascinated. I placed a, a ten dollar bid. <laughs> How high could an unknown cigar go for after all? Well, eighteen dollars to be precise. Shipping brought this baby to twenty two dollars. A little more than I'd like to spend on a stick I know nothing about, but the damage is done. I was intrigued. I am going to read just what he goes through because I, I find it I find it a little comical. My devilish mistress arrived <laughs> and was every you. bit as ridiculous as I thought. At six and a half long with a 60 ring gauge, this thing will stand out in your, hum- here in your humidor. The Nicaraguan Corojo wrapper. See, this one says it's a Corojo wrapper. Twists down the stick and extends beyond the foot. All right. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Let's get into the flavors. The toasting and lighting took a little longer than usual due to the uncut foot, which I don't always, I, I mean, I've never had an issue, by the way, with that. Nope, me neither. 
if you're using a match, maybe, or like a Bic, maybe. But like I've got, I know we were talking about maybe getting into lighters, but my torch lighter, when it's warm, it works great. And it's just a three-flame torch lighter, and you can typically just sear those leaves right off the end of it. Yeah, it just takes a second to burn it off, even with a match. Just burn it off for a minute. You're about to smoke a cigar for at least an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) What's an extra 10 seconds? I can't wait. Um, Okay, here we go. The toasting and lighting took a lot. I already read that part. Um, It lasted nearly the entire smoke. Huh. Don't know what he refers to by that. Apparently, he didn't have to relight it. The flavors were smooth and surprisingly mellow. I would say a medium-bodied, medium-strength smoke. Um, I would put this at medium to full strength. Um, It definitely is a medium flavor, though. Um, The draw was startling as well. (laughs) I usually don't go for cigars of this size, as they tend uh, (laughs) to have tight draws and struggle to stay lit. This was not the case. Milk chocolate dominated the palate. Nearly the entire smoke with cream and coffee, complementing the flavor now and then. There was a pepper taste near the start of the smoke, which faded near the second third. There they go with those thirds. But that milk chocolate just kept coming back. I was surprised at just how steady this massive smoke was. Just pleasant creaminess throughout. I, have, I do have to agree with him on that. I put out a decent amount of smoke, which also is the case. Definitely not disappointing. A good two hours, and it was time to let her go. Looking back, I'd like to give this rare stogie, not rare, a couple of awards. Best medium-bodied smoke that I've come across. And best in its class. I guess Cigar Monsters is the class he put it in. (laughs) This thing is easygoing and steady. I'd recommend it for breakfast, but only if you have the time. (laughs) Oh, my. Heck, find yourself two hours and you'll enjoy this beast day or night. So, yeah, not too crazy when it comes to flavors. Mm-hmm. I do like how some other people in their comments decide that they're also going to write a review. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do they have anything good to say? Here's one. This is another powerhouse cigar from Don Pepin and Pete Johnson. The cigar is unbatted, which is unique to the entire line. It also has an unfinished foot, which really sets it apart from the rest of the line for good reason. I don't know. I mean, is he saying that the rest of this, the line of Tatuai cigars isn't good? Uh, not as good, maybe? I don't know. The first inch or so was still balls out strong. Lots of pepper and leather. Very corojo But the nice surprise was as I smoked it down around halfway, it started to get some rich, dark chocolate and coffee notes. Um, he goes into some nonsense. He said that he stored it for two years. A good deal because it mellowed it, mellowed out the pepper and spice. He doesn't necessarily say he had had one of these before that, so he might be just comparing that to someone else's review. Um, for such a big cigar, oh, the, the, what really amazed me was the construction for such a big cigar. It burned fairly straight. It got off at the end, but I was still pretty impressed. No surprise that there was a ton of smoke and an easy draw. Luxuries... All right. Luxury is a 60 ring gauge cigar affords you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Grab two know. of these bad boys. One to kick your butt now and the other to enjoy a year or so from now. So he liked them. Yeah, he was a fan. There's there's other people that also feel the need to put in their reviews, but I'm not going to read those. 
Oh, sometimes those are the best ones. You want me to? I haven't read this one, so. Um. No, this guy. Nope. Nope. Not even gonna give this the time. Okay. All right. Yep. He's way too wordy. A little too full of himself or herself. I don't know. But this is delicious, man. I'm probably one third of the way through it right now. Which if I stayed at the same pace would put this a little. Sorry, I was just thinking. (laughs) Would put this a little over two hours if I kept it at this pace. All right. We might be right on track. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. I have another review on the Serie A from 2012. Yeah. Um, also very, very wordy. Um, let's see. All right. Man, he reviews his preparation, the appearance. Oh, my goodness. All right. So this gentleman did not divide the cigar into thirds, um, but did say, uh, shortly after lighting, hints of orange sweetness and cloves entered the equation. The orange notes were something I had picked up on the T-52. Again, the flavors were not very deep, and no flavor really stood out between the orange, pepper, wood, coffee, and leather. (laughs) Besides those things, nothing stood out. I'm going to eat my words. By the end of the first third, the wood and pepper moved into the forefront, and the orange flavors dissipated. In the second third of the smoke, the depth of the flavors did increase somewhat. It still wasn't as bold as the T-52. The coffee notes were now more in the forefront and were joined by some earth notes. The wood and leather flavors were secondary. The pepper spice also diminished significantly and moved into the background. (coughs) I like all these uh, illusions of flavors being layered and one is in front of the other. And they move around. And they switch and some come in the back and some go in the front. You just can't keep track of who's where. Nope, you got to be careful. (laughs) That's right. Watch your six. That's right. On the last third of the Liga Privada Unico Serie A, the earth notes would move into control. The coffee notes diminished significantly. There was a slight increase in spice, but nothing that would I have that I, that would have categorized this as a spicy finish. The finish wasn't the smoothest, but it was not harsh either. The nub was cool in temperature, but soft to the touch at the finish. Hmm. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Was he expecting it to feel like something else? All right. Well, that's sharp. Uh, oh, here he goes. Here, uh, Here's his final thoughts. This was a very different cigar experience than any other Liga Pravada I have had. It shows that a blend tweak can really change a cigar. Ooh. The fact that this cigar starts out bold, or I'm sorry, this cigar starts out both mild in strength and body was a shocker to me. The fact that it didn't move past medium in both of these categories also shocked me. <gasps> well, while I think the depth of the flavor notes hurt the cigar a bit, I particularly am not a fan of very earthy tasting cigars. 
As mentioned, this cigar does provide some complexity as there's a lot of variation and nuances in the flavor profile. Mm. This would be a nice cigar to introduce a new cigar enthusiast to the A. Vitola. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd recommend a two and a half hour smoke for a new cigar enthusiast? I would not. Experienced cigar enthusiasts might be disappointed as there is not enough depth in the flavors. It should also be noted, while this is a promotional cigar, it does sell for twenty four ninety nine at the store I purchased it at. Price <laughs> is not factored into this assessment, but it certainly is something worth thinking about. Huh. He scored it an 86. Again, doesn't say on what scale, but he scored it an 86. I think they're always 100, aren't they? I mean, yeah. It's, it's but, to be assumed that that scale is 100. Yeah, but you're supposed to say that. Yeah. Too many people just read Cigar Aficionado and just assume. Like if I was walking with my wife and I was like, whoa, that girl's a 10. She goes, what? I was like, oh, out of 100. Honey, Honey, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, honey. You're at solid 82. (laughs) So we are really banking on the fact that people are home, sick with coronavirus, and not able to leave their homes. So they're scrambling to find... Any means of entertainment and mm. desperate. So we're, 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 kind, we're kind of just banking on the fact that people are going to hang in there with this podcast for this long. And this yeah. might be our only opportunity to do one this long. To catch someone's ear. You know, there are some plus sides to the uh, uh, shelter-in-place ordinances at the moment. Now, you, do you, you technically have a shelter-in-place ordinance being in New York, correct? If by shelter-in-place it means that you stay home, but you can also go to the grocery store and get gas and run errands and go to work, then yes. Are they closing like restaurants and stuff around you, though? Uh, yes, I believe they're closing most restaurants. Uh, they're doing most of them are doing takeout only, but they're also offering, I, from what I understand, takeout beers and cocktails. Nice. Yeah, I've been really thinking about like, okay, if I called like a restaurant down the road and I was like, hey, I'll get a burger, fries, and six beers with my dinner because maybe <laughs> that's what I would drink with my dinner, would they then just give me six beers to go, like in to-go cups? Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I'm going to find out. Because <laughs> you want it from the tap is what you're, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah. <laughs> so they're doing that. Uh most things are closed. The, the grocery stores are still open. People are still panic buying and not thinking straight. Um, yeah. But for, for example, uh, there was no there was no chicken left in uh, Wegmans when I went into Wegmans, and uh, no steaks left. Oh. Um, but then, like right across the street, there's a butcher shop that I went to to pick up my. Like it's just it doesn't make any sense. People are hoarding food. And panicking, and uh, yeah. they probably they probably can't cook well, so their food probably sucks. <laughs> I did. I was in a grocery store. I want to say it was beginning of this week, uh, not to stock up on anything, but just to get some regular stuff. Uh, just I, I'm I'm holding to that. Um, but uh, I I thought it was funny that all of the beef was gone, ground beef and cuts of meat. All of the chicken was gone. But there was, I mean, piles of sausage, bratwurst, and ribs. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. Also finding that uh, a lot of the seafood is being untouched as well. So, oh, Probably because we got- it's from China. <laughs> well, we got ourselves some, uh, 
some delicious stuff for tomorrow night. So we'll be enjoying something tasty. But we do not have a, what is it called? Shelter in place oh. in Virginia yet. But I'm sure we're not too far behind. Yep. And I highly recommend watching the movie Outbreak as soon as you can. <laughs> I've been telling people to do the same thing. Yep. Yep. So speaking of um, Corona. My, my Corona. Corona. Wow. Well done. Wow. Wow. Um, I have an article here. Yeah. That ties in cigar smoking with COVID-19. Oh. So this is an article released in the Cigar Journal, which is, I don't know if it's the Cigar Journal, but it's CigarJournal.com. Ooh. Sounds, sounds legit. Oh, you that? okay? I said it sounds yep. legit. So this person, or this article says, preparing a COVID-19 free cigar bar. <laughs> So, Your Cigar Den, a business leader in the center region, announces the following response to the coronavirus. So, this is a gentleman named Tony Gaffari, who must own a cigar lounge. says, My position is that whenever you have a responsibility to a group of people, one should err on the side of caution. This is exactly why we are doing everything we can to protect our customers and employees. If you're on the side of the fence that thinks this is a hoax, be glad that these steps will also mitigate the regular flu virus. Below are the steps he is taking over the next few weeks as recommended by health authorities and CDC to help mitigate the exposure of germs. Here is what he suggests. An ionizing purifier will be installed in the HVAC duct. An mm. ultraviolet germicidal irradiation or, or irradiation system will be installed in the HVAC duct. Filtration will be upgraded with hospital-grade HEPA filters. Filters will not be used for smoke mitigation. We will rely on the new exhaust fans that will prevent germs from being spread around. Um, all public use cutters and lighters will be removed. So no, no uh, lighters and cutters to be shared. Cutters and lighters will be loaned out to individuals and treated with an EPA-approved combination germicide, wow. pseudomonicide, fungicide, and viricide between uses. Probably like... Um, like a barber's scissors, you know, they throw them in that mouthwash cup. Yeah. <laughs> Glassware will not be available as cleaning it cannot be guaranteed and puts our staff at risk. As always, disposable plastic cups will be available for use. We have implemented wireless pay systems. Look at your credit card, and if you have Apple Pay or Google Pay, use it. We will not be reusing currency. Incoming currency will be set aside and disinfected overnight. Wow. Talk about laundering money. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done. Oh, man. He says, uh, we will make disinfectant wipes available to you to wipe down your seat and Ew. or table area before you use it. Hand sanitizer replaced on every table to facilitate, quote, washing your hands. Um, use your own cutter and lighter. Wash your hands. No handshaking. Fist or elbow bumps if you have symptoms. Oh, and if you have symptoms, follow the advice and stay home. I think that's good advice. Probably. I haven't heard of any cigar shops closing yet. Um, I have heard. I heard of one yesterday. One of the old Virginias, old Virginia tobacco companies here in the D.C. area, closed because they are connected to a mall that had to close. Gotcha. 
Yep. Um, one thing that I, I was curious about after I uh, heard about, uh, mainly because my dad had called me from Connecticut and informed me that they had shelter-in-place ordinance put into place. Um, and I was like, where have I heard that before? And the only times I've ever heard of shelter-in-place is A, during or after a tornado, or B, during and after an active shooter. So I was interested in what that meant <laughs> because I think that it's very different than what they're calling for now. Because I think if there's a tornado and shelter in place, typically you're supposed to wait indoors in a safe place until given it all clear. Like, you know, someone says, all right, you're all clear to come out. But I feel like it's, I, I don't know, I just feel like it's the wrong wordage to use because it's like shelter oh, in place. But you mean for if a you want to go. Well, no, just shelter in place in general is commonly used for like an emergency situation like a tornado or an active shooter. I know. I think of like uh, like a fallout shelter. Yeah, but it's not like, hey, there's an active shooter, shelter in place. But pretty much if the you same. need some more microwave popcorn, <laughs> head on out there. <laughs> if you're yeah, low on toilet paper, go for a drive. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think they're really enforcing anything. In fact, we, uh, we had a chance to talk to law enforcement here in uh, the county I'm in in New York, Monroe yeah. County. And they said, yeah, we're really not. I mean, we're not going out of our way to, like, arrest people or ticket people for... Like, even if it's a business that's open that's not supposed to be open, yeah. they've got way more important things to do. Yeah, like not get infected. Like, so right now, um, uh, some of the people I work with are fielding calls to the Department of Health with people that are panicked or have questions. Like, oh, my God, I need to be tested. I was exposed. Uh, how do I get tested? Or whatever. Yeah. And so we're supposed to hear them out and answer their questions and point them to their, you know, primary care physician, as anyone should do. Um, but, uh, yeah, people are calling in a panic, and uh, some of them are calling tattletailing on people that are, like, out and about, or, like, it seems like a shop is open. And, like, um, someone called just the other day and wanted to tattle on a gym that they thought was open that shouldn't be open. <laughs> and like no one is taking this call like yes we'll hear you out but no one cares <laughs> yeah we're not gonna go shut their doors on them no we're not gonna send like four police officers to enforce uh closing a store when there's like people actively murdering each other <laughs> yeah i mean if you've got that's, that's why i think it's kind of funny because if it's like shelter in place unless like you like essential travel is fine but if essential travel is like my dad was telling me in Connecticut grocery stores are open gas stations are open and liquor stores were deemed essential which i agree that's with that's right that's right um, but at the same time i could just go out and do whatever i want and be like oh yeah i was going to the grocery store you know <laughs> like like unless yeah. there's like martial law in place right then i i don't think there's much that law enforcement will do in that situation um, the two funniest public um, cries for help that I've read posted um, so far was one woman panicked that she couldn't find bottled water, um, <laughs> which makes me worry because then I wonder, she said, I can't find bottled water anywhere for my infant. Please help. I've been to every store and no store has bottled water. Now, I think it's all important for us to keep in mind water is not a source of contamination for any flu virus unless you're sharing a cup with somebody. Also, yeah. tap water is tested daily and bottled water is tested only periodically. Yeah, bottled water is tested right before it goes in the bottle. And, and that's wait. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so that was a good one. My favorite one, though, is someone that posted, I think it was just this morning that I, I sent this to you about the garden. Somebody oh, yeah. posted. <laughs> somebody posted. So this is a, a group that I'm following, more so for entertainment, but I'm following it because people are able to post what they need. Now, some people are you know, on immune suppressant drugs because they might have had like an organ replacement and they can't afford to go out. I get it. So it, it has a purpose. You know, people can drop off, the, like leave groceries on their porch, for example, or, yeah. you know, whatever, like run errands for them if they really can't leave the house or whatever. So one, one person posted, um, I want to have a garden so that I don't have to go to the grocery store to buy my food. If someone could drop off lumber and build a raised bed and teach me how to plant a garden, I think I could have a perfectly functioning vegetable garden and not have to go to the grocery store during this public health crisis. In the next four months, I might have something edible. <laughs> so this person, in their mind, thought, huh, how do I avoid going to the grocery store? Oh, I know. I'll ask someone if they're willing to volunteer and give me free wood and build a raised garden and plant it for me. And then if we're still in a shelter in place in four months, I'll be able to eat some peppers. Yeah. <laughs> Very small peppers at that point. <laughs> oh, Just that was use, my favorite you gotta one. You got to use so bottled far. water, though, to water them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Or else the plants can carry the virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did read an article. I don't have it in front of me, but I did read an article that sales of Pangolin are down. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a joke. That was a real article. Yeah, because pangolins carry the coronavirus. Yep. As well as possible bats. By the way, uh, what kind of market is there for pangolins? Um, I was informed after talking to my 10-year-old about a pangolin that there is a pangolin Pokemon. So So you think it's Pokemon nerds that buy real life pangolins uh, they are pretty cool looking creatures but uh they're like scaly weasels but i do feel like that i think it's only if you consume the meat you can get it from them <laughs> well no i i don't think that's how it is because if you cook it you kill it well i think you have to cook it up to 180 degrees if i'm not mistaken well i don't know who's eating raw or like pangolin sashimi but i wouldn't i wouldn't do that yeah, but what meat do you cook to 180 degrees? Well, I don't think coronavirus is in the meat. It's in like the like the sinus and the throat and the like. They're probably sucking on the nose of a pangolin. <laughs> yeah, just reaching in for kisses. Yeah, just licking the nose. So one thing I've been trying to figure out in this time of being kind of on lockdown, mind you, I have been working this past week. Um, I have a couple projects that involve me not being in someone's home or around people. Um, so I have just kind of tried to finish those projects up, um, assuming that eventually we'll be at a point to where I probably shouldn't be going to anyone's house and I'll just be hanging out at home. Maybe I'll build myself a shed if Home Depot's still open. Yeah, man. But, well, uh, you know what? I'm going to turn off my heater. It's making some noise. Keep going. Oh, so, uh, anyways, I know one thing that I think a lot of people are worried about a lot of people are struggling with is if you've got kids at home and most people I notice if you have an option of working from home uh, one of the most biggest you know biggest complaints I've heard is that people's workloads haven't really shrunk it just means they're now doing the same amount of work maybe even a little bit more um, 
while also having to watch their children. Yep. <laughs> so, Manny, I know that you and your wife are obviously in different situations. Your wife can't necessarily work from home. So it kind of frees her up to be with the kids a little bit more while you work from your barn. But uh, what are you guys doing to keep the kids occupied and educated at this point? Um, fortunately, uh, my oldest child is six years old and in kindergarten. So he wasn't learning anything as, anyway. Yeah, as far as learning goes, I mean, I guess we're having like art time and craft time. Yeah, not <laughs> um, much has honestly, changed. You know, we've been outside a bunch, going for long walks every day. I'm going to take both the boys down to our cabin tomorrow to go play outside, even though it's going to be in the 20s. Um, we're just doing a lot of outside stuff. We're trying not to do too much screen time, but we're saving that for the end. Yeah. Um, it helps to have a mother-in-law break things up and take them out for a little bit. I know a lot of other people are doing activities with their kids. Uh, there's a lot of – actually, there's a ton of uh, – stuff being posted and shared online on social media for yeah uh, curriculums activities workbooks and all that stuff really if you're a teacher you're kind of off the hook and i know a lot of teachers are complaining but interestingly enough i happen to know that a local teachers union president sent an email to all the teachers recently saying i've had several complaints Please be careful what you post on social media while you're home on mandatory quarantine um, because people have been posting like their bare feet up watching Netflix with a glass of Prosecco wine. And <laughs> At 10 in the, the families, morning. Right. And the families are scrambling to be like, we don't know how to live with our children or educate them. Yep. And so they're complaining that the teachers are still being paid, but drinking at home, which I, I can kind of sympathize with. But also, what else are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a silly complaint. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm not going to drink at all during this because you have your kids for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for us, actually, our county has not, I don't want to say they haven't done a good job. No, they haven't done a very good job. Um, as of right now, it's kind of set up so that I think the original go back to school date was supposed to be April 10th or 14th. Um, that most likely will get pushed, as it looks like it will at this point. Um, but uh, they did say, oh, if if we're not back at school by that date, then we're going to start sending out like learning from home curriculums for all of your students. Um, but in the meantime, what the heck are we supposed to do? So there are a lot of online resources. My wife is far more um, gifted in organization than I am. So she has come up with a schedule that the boys help fill out almost daily, but it's kind of the same thing every day. And uh, Scholastic.com has been a great uh, resource because they have like a day-by-day, -day, based on your child's grade or age, um, learning uh, tools. So there is a video involved. Obviously, a lot of it's on a laptop or the whole thing is on a laptop. But then there's also the questions. I know for like our fifth grader, um, there's also like three topics that he watches a video on, reads an article about, and then can pick one of those three topics to then kind of write a report about. So that's been extremely helpful. And honestly, one thing, I mean, our 10-year-old does not like school whatsoever. Like he literally was cheering when he found out the school was going to be closed for at least a month. Oh, um, yeah. Today he was cheering because he was like, we of might course. not go back to school. This of is awesome. Course. Our, yes, I our agree. Our eight-year-old, though, I kid you not, our eight-year-old was in tears when we told him school was canceled for a month. Like, he literally was crying. Nerd and alert. Like, and he was like, uh, and granted, it's not that he loves the education portion. He's just this little social butterfly. 
Um, our 10 year old could lock himself up in his room with a stack of books and be perfectly satisfied for six months. <laughs> Self quarantine. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's all about it to where our eight year old is like losing his mind, not being able to be with friends. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, we do find that with both of our kids, they're almost like, like we set a schedule for them and they're kind of like, they're sticking with it by themselves. You have to push them a little bit, but it's kind of like they're like really desiring just some structure and some learning because that's just what they're used to during their day. So I, I find that if you kind of just start off by just kind of pointing them in the right direction, I think a lot of kids will just kind of naturally do it because it's just what they're used to doing. And for them, it kind of gives them like a sense of like control in a situation that honestly, a lot of them are probably a little bit like fearful of, you know? Yeah. I do think people give school based curriculum a little too much credit. Yeah. Like if your kid's off for a month of school and they're not in high school or college, are they really missing out on that much? I mean, I remember yeah. what school was like for me and I remember I mean, I really could have learned everything I needed to in a few weeks uh, for like all of middle school. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't get much from school, and so when people said, "Oh my God, what are we gonna do now that school's canceled? How are they gonna learn?" I was like, "Well, are they really learning that much? I mean, there's a lot to be learned with the social benefits, and they're following a schedule and a routine, and it keeps them focused and gives them mental exercises. These things can also be accomplished with day-to-day life." Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing we're doing actually with our oldest six-year-old and uh, I forgot to share, but this is helpful since this uh, whole thing started, we have a six star uh, reward system for every day. So every day that he does something independent without being asked um, and does not ask for a star. That's one of the rules. <coughs> Excuse me. Nice. If you ask for a star, you automatically don't get it. Um, so like if he reads a book, that's a star. If he cleans his room, that's a star. If he helps out with his little brother and we notice that's a star. When he gets six stars, he gets candy. The ultimate motivator. I I should start doing that for myself to motivate myself (laughs) in these trying times. What would you give yourself stars for? Um, I don't know. Smoking a cigar. (laughs) One star tonight, (laughs) baby. (laughs) <laughs> this might count as two. Yeah, it, it should count as two. It's a long one. I just asked for the third time, and I'm I'm probably about halfway done. Hmm. Not halfway. We're a little over an hour into this. Nice. I, I know. And so far, it's really good. Um, Admittedly, a lot of the flavors stayed the same, but it's a great cigar, and I think I made the correct choice of picking a Guinness beer to go with it. Nice, nice. Well, I would have paired a... uh, We just, thankfully for my wife, I think I've mentioned in the past that she works for a nonprofit, and she had her... uh, Her yearly fundraiser was this... uh, Not this past Thursday, but a week ago, uh, yesterday... Um, and the organization she works for while we were having the fundraiser put out kind of the new steps of like, Hey, these are the things you're going to have to cancel. These are the, you know, you're going to have to not do any big events. So we kind of got it in just in time, but, uh, there is someone who is there that, uh, donates wines and they had a wine pull or cork pull as it was called. So for $50, you could, you know, obviously all the money that you put in is a donation to the organization. But uh, but for fifty dollars you could pull a cork that had a number on it, and then you get the wine that is you know that goes with that number. 
So we got some delicious. I made the mistake actually that night of opening a bottle of Pinot Noir that I thought was something that we already had in our cabinet. And it's not. (laughs) It was one of those bottles. And since then, I think every Pinot Noir that I drink is going to taste horrible. Um, Because I think that, I don't know what it was specifically, but it was like a $70 bottle of Pinot Noir. Oh, my. That uh, that I won in one of those raffles. Uh, but one of the other things that I won in one of those raffles was a 20-year Tawny Port um, that I'm very excited for and thought about opening for tonight. But since I have given up alcohol for Lent and I'm giving myself one day a week to drink, um, I was like, I'm not going to drink a whole bottle of Port tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to wait a week before I get into it again. That'll be miserable. So that's why I went with the cab. Very nice. Very nice. And I do feel like just about any red wine is a good pairing with a, with a nice, strong cigar. It can be, for sure. You know, one mm-hmm. thing I was thinking, I think a lot of people are buying up pasta and rice because they just don't know how to cook. Yep. Well, and, and, it, so and it's something that lasts for a while. It is, but, like, they're leaving all the produce. Like, there's there's a lot of things that are still, I, I don't know. I think people are panic buying and, and not really thinking ahead. And I do think a lot of people aren't good at cooking. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great way to, like, do something with your kids is help them prepare meals. Because you, I mean, you could learn how to measure. You learn how to uh, cook, basically. Mix ingredients, chop, use a knife safely. All that stuff is things that you got to learn anyways. Um, and it gives them something to do, and it's something that you have to do anyway as part of your daily routine. So that's a great thing to do with your kids. Yep. Um, speaking of cooking at home, uh, I do have a story I wanted to kind of go over, just just to put it out there. Um, if anyone is thinking about maybe going into the great outdoors and taking up hunting um, during this uh, coronavirus apocalypse. Yeah. Hey, can I interrupt you for one second, Manny? I'll allow it. Because you said something that I think is important to our last topic, which was ways to keep our kids occupied. And I do think that this is a great way and a great time, since everyone does have a lot more time than they're used to with their children, uh, to teach them stuff that you normally wouldn't on a regular basis. Like our boys, and I'm not saying this to brag, but they were a part of building a raised bed so far this week with me. Um, They have cooked their own lunch every single day, just about. Not cooked. I mean, sometimes it was cooked or made their own lunches. Um, and even today, uh, it was 80 degrees was the high here in Virginia. Um, so I decided we're going to go fishing as pretty much everything is open all year long here in Virginia. Um, but I even let them tie up their own, uh, lures and they strung up their own rods and I was like, all right, well, this is the time to learn. You've got plenty of time on your hands. So anyways, I think that any of those things, little projects around the house cooking, um, I mean, even if people, you know, I wouldn't recommend maybe taking not taking your kids to the grocery store but you can still order groceries online so even letting them be a part of like actually picking out the food and picking out what what they're you're going to let them make and then work with them on making it so anyways that's all i wanted to mention yep i'll be camping next week with uh, my six-year-old for a night or two nice getting out of the house he was part of the purchasing of a 30 degree sleeping bag online because rei is closed so that was fun and he'll also be part of uh, helping clean up the cabin tomorrow so that we can camp next week in it. So I wanted to share a story with you um, that's one of my favorites. And it, it might appeal to some folks from the south or maybe some hunters. But it involves... Or maybe just some messed up individuals. Oh, yeah. That too. 
This involves uh, how to cook and prepare raccoon. Mm. And this was probably, oh, 12, 13 years ago. Um, my wife and I were kind of new to the Rochester area. At least she was new to this group of friends through her school district. And one of them was having a birthday party. And her idea was to have a couple's pizza-making birthday party where every couple brought ingredients. And she had rented these pizza ovens. And you would bring all the ingredients and make a pizza. And we all shared the pizzas. And then she would vote on the best tasting. (laughs) And so my wife had to work that day, and I was home. And I had, uh, well, I would shot a raccoon uh, when I was in New Hampshire. Um, I always carry a sidearm, mostly for bear and moose protection. And I heard uh, my Uncle John say, Manny, get your sidearm! So I ran over to him, and I, I said, what's the problem? And um, we're out in the woods, and he says, there's a raccoon up in that tree. And I looked up, and there was a sleeping raccoon up in the nook of a tree. And it was a big one. <laughs> and he was like, shoot it down! I was like, well, why am I going to, why would I shoot the raccoon? And he was like, they eat the partridge eggs, which is what he cares most about. And yeah, he, um, does. he doesn't want to eat the bird eggs, which I get. But I wasn't going to shoot something unless I was going to eat it. So uh, this raccoon took three forty caliber slugs, uh, <laughs> one to the face and two in the chest before it finally succumbed and nice. fell out of the tree and... I butchered it right there in the field. I corded it out and put it in Ziploc bags. Now, as I was butchering it, you I mean, there was a lot of fat on this raccoon. It was in the middle of the woods. It hadn't, I'm sure, hadn't ever come across garbage or any human right waste or winter. anything like that. Yeah, right before it's all fattening up on probably frogs and amphibians and bird eggs and little things that it would gather on the ground. And it had a real funk to it when I was butchering it and a lot of fat on the meat. So it was in my freezer, and I thought, what a great opportunity to cook this raccoon. Uh, I'll make <laughs> make it part of the pizza, and everyone will be really happy with it. So um, I read a bunch of recipes, and they all called for boiling the raccoon meat for two hours in salt water um, before you even incorporate it into a recipe, and that Ooh. is to boil out the oils and tenderize the meat. What I did not realize is how awful raccoon smells when you boil it and i i really should have done it outside my whole house smelled like like vomit and rotten like rotten eggs (laughs) and i had all the windows and doors open there were dogs in the neighborhood perched up on their i remember this perched (laughs) up on the fences of their yard with their noses up like ooh, what's that and i was just i was gagging from the smell in my house (laughs) <laughs> and I was just at that point thinking, there's there's no way I'm going to be able to serve this to anybody. No one's going to eat this. This is a mistake. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but I think, well, I'm going to keep cooking it anyways. So uh, after it was done boiling for all that time and I felt sick, uh, I shredded the meat into a crock pot with barbecue sauce, bacon, and onions. Oh, yeah. For six hours, thinking that if anything's going to kill the smell and flavor, it'd be this. But I still had that horrible smell in my nose, and I couldn't get past it. And I just, I don't know why, but I I continued to just make the pizza. So I was going to call it barbecue (laughs) pizza, and I decided not to tell anyone what it was, which 
you could call it a mistake, but then I wouldn't have a cool story to tell. Nah, I wouldn't say <laughs> it was a mistake. So no one except my wife knew that it was raccoon meat on the pizza. So we went to the party, and uh, you know I put barbecue sauce, the shredded raccoon meat, and some cheddar cheese on the pizza crust, and uh, we made the pizza. And everyone ate all the pizzas, and I didn't say anything. And for me, like I could just every time I looked at it, the smell came back, and I, <laughs> I didn't even. I think I might have eaten one little piece just because I didn't want to be like the guy that didn't eat it. But I choked it down because I could still just smell that smell from earlier. Oh. It was so. It was the worst smelling food I've ever smelled in my entire life. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Almost went out. <laughs> oh. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you do not smoke a cigar. It went through my nose. Now, I know that you're not quite done with the story, but yeah. uh, I think the closest thing I've come to what you're describing is uh, we, me and my boys scraped up a dead fox last summer off of my neighbor's driveway, and it had been out there for a few hot days. And just that smell already of just, like, rotting corpse was just stuck in my nose, and I feel like, and I love, I'm a big beef jerky fan, and I tried a couple, I mean, this is probably two months later, every time I even had beef jerky, which is delicious, and I always get the teriyaki-flavored beef jerkies, and, but every time I smelt it, tasted it, all I could think about was that dead fox. I literally Ugh. couldn't eat beef jerky for months. Yeah, well, I mean, the raccoon didn't smell like death, like a rotting animal, but Still it was so... unpleasant smell. Oh. Oh, it was so putrid, and the whole house smelled, and you could, oh. it took like days to get it out. So, everyone ate all the pizza. My pizza was completely gone before <laughs> I even knew like what had happened. I realized they had eaten all the barbecue pizza. So then uh, the birthday girl announced her decision, and lo and behold, she said, I love barbecue pizza, the pizza that Manny and Amanda brought is the winner. The barbecue pizza is the winner. <laughs> now, so, question. At this point, did yeah. your wife know what the protein was on that pizza? Yes. And she okay. had told one other person who did not eat it. Um, but so far, just her and the other person knew. Yeah. So I wasn't going to say anything at that point. I realized I'm in too deep. Like, I thought, I thought people would notice and not eat it, but uh, they all ate it already. So I tricked them all, and I didn't think they would. So I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to leave it at barbecue pizza and call it a day. Um, but my wife spoke up after we'd won and said, uh, hey, does anyone know what kind of meat that is on the pizza? Oh. And I took a big gulp and everyone looked at me with wide eyes. And uh, my one buddy said, uh, hey, didn't you shoot a raccoon earlier this year? And there were there were a couple gasps in the audience. And I said, yep. And he said, is, is, this, is this raccoon pizza? And I said, yep, you got it. <laughs> and believe it or not, they weren't very pleased. Really? <laughs> yes, particularly a couple of the women uh, lost their dinners. Oh. Now, I think a large part of that is due to the amount of alcohol consumed, but as soon as they learned what they had eaten... Uh, I think two of them got sick. Really? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like at that point, you've already eaten it and you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's all in your mind. So what does it matter? Uh, well, that makes sense. But 
you're talking to people who don't think that logically. So, um, yeah, I, I felt bad <laughs> afterwards. Um, I mean, we still hang out with them. They still hang out with us, but they do not eat any pizza that I make, and they always ask, hey, what is this when I make something? They want pictures of the cooking process. <laughs> yeah, they don't trust me anymore <laughs> for a good reason. I have an old buddy who lives down in Amarillo, Texas, that loves to host dinners, but apparently he was known as the guy that like, you, you only went if you were okay with trying anything. Because it was not uncommon that you would be eating armadillo or skunk or raccoon. Pangolin. Yeah, pangolin, pangolin nose, sashimi. <laughs> oh. yeah. Bat broth. Oh. Well, I'd say that's probably not the dumbest thing you've done. No, but I, that's one of those things I, I actually kind of feel bad about. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's good to trick people into eating things without their knowledge. Yeah, I disagree. But it's still funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the name of the comedian. I should have looked it up while you're telling the story. But there's a dude. His name is like Chris D'Angelo or something like that. Chris D'Elia. Is that what it is? Chris D'Elia. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gotten into his stand-up, but he has a whole bit about like one thing that he doesn't want as an adult is to be invited to other adults' birthday parties <laughs> <laughs> when they're throwing their own birthday party. That is an automatic no. Like, no, I don't want to come to your birthday party. Like, you're not 10. <laughs> so I feel like that's, a, that's an appropriate response for being invited to an adult's birthday party that they're throwing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, after that experience, I have not cooked any raccoon since, and I, I don't plan on it. Although you know, if they close down all the grocery stores, uh, you know, I might have to go find some some wild meats, like some bat and pangolin and raccoon to cook up. Yeah, baby. There's a guy. Start my own wet market here. <laughs> the Rochester Han wet market. <laughs> Oh, there's a guy on YouTube who I've watched a few of his videos. I've gotten sucked into that hole. Um, I don't know where he is. I, he must be somewhere in maybe Australia based on his accent. Maybe not. Maybe he's just, I don't know. He's somewhere um, on the coast. And he does like these like coastal foraging meals to where he'll go and just like forage around on, you know, as the tide goes down and just collect a bunch of stuff and then just cook it right up on the beach. Ooh. And there's things that I would have never thought about cooking and eating, like periwinkles. Oh, those yeah. Little, those little snails. He he says they're delicious. Um, yep, most you of what be he gets of, are, uh, red tide, but yeah. yeah. Most of what he gets though are um, like he'll get mussels, clams. Um, he did a bunch of razor clams, which I always found razor clam shells growing up in Connecticut on the coast. Yep. But I never tried a razor clam. Um, actually, I think for a while they were banned from eating because of the scarcity of razor clams, at least in Long Island Sound. Um, but, uh, anyways, he's got some fun videos where he just, I mean, just plucks up, um, lobster and crab and just cooks them right there in a pot on a little camping grill. And that's what made me really want seafood for this weekend. (laughs) Not quite the same as plucking it right out of the ocean. But, dude, he found so many oysters, and he kept tossing them aside. He was just like, nah, I don't like oyster. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he's, a, he's picky. I'm pretty good at shucking oysters. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, you, uh, you want another news article? Yeah, give it to me. 
This one I might got hit three inches left on the cigar. Okay, okay. Uh, this one might hit home for you. Uh oh. Cigar Factory Outlet. I didn't do it. Excuse me, I'm reading. I'm sorry. Cigar Factory Outlet. Ah. The Shapiro's. Hey, hey. Ah. Uh, Cigar Factory Outlet. <laughs> the Shapiro's. Cigar friendly Norwalk, Connecticut. Oh yeah. So there's a picture of an establishment that you and I used to go to back when we lived in Norwalk. Back in the day. And uh, the article is this. This is from, who wrote this one? This is also from Cigar Journal. So the article says, in 1922, Morris Shapiro and his brother Isador opened a candy store and smoke shop in New York City called Shapiro's Smoke Shop. A journey through the decades has transformed the family business from a tiny shop in Manhattan into a 4,000-square-foot retail outlet and federally licensed cigar factory in Norwalk, Connecticut, called Cigar Factory Outlet. We have our warehouse, our offices, and our retail shop there, explains Brian Shapiro, who is co-owner with his father, Ron, and director of international sales for Oliva Cigar Company. My Oliva International headquarters was ultimately based there as well. The retail outlet houses a couple hundred facings, but Oliva is the flagship brand, including a number of private label bundle brands made by Oliva. Plus, they have their own cigar roller who makes cigars using only Oliva tobacco. The design of the facility is unique in that the entire building is humidified, including the offices, warehouse, and retail area. The entire space has a very open warehouse feel, including the 500-square-foot lounge where they sell beer, spirits, and soft drinks. Yeah, baby. The company's success can be credited to its diversified business model within the industry. We have a retail shop and cigar lounge, but we also found ways to expand beyond our physical location, explains Brian. We do weddings and corporate events and distribute golf clubs and liquors and dis- distribute to golf clubs, which he doesn't mean like the tool, a golf club. He means like um, a club that people golf at. Right. Uh, and liquor stores. Located at 27 Hanford Place, Norwalk, Connecticut. Mm-mm-mm. Wait, is that the same location? Uh, well, I don't know, because remember the one was on Water Street that we yeah. would go to? I mean, it was on know. that corner, so it might be... That I'm going to find uh, out right now. No, no that you place... keep reading. You keep reading. I'll find out. Well, that's the whole article, so... Oh. Uh, yeah, so that place actually was, when they first... When I first started going there, it was um, like they just sold cigars in bulk. Um, but they were the first ones to start carrying Olivas. And that those were the first cigars they sold as single cigars. So I remember back in the day, I was probably in high school. My dad and I would stop there and stock up on Olivas and Taranos when they first came out. They had them as single smokes as well there. I remember it when we would go there... Like, at the time, I didn't have money to blow on, like, big boxes or bundles or anything. So I never really went there because I was more interested in buying singles. And I wanted more of a variety than just Oliva. Yeah. But I I went in there a couple times with you, I think. Yeah, so that is still the same location. Yep. Hannaford. I mean, it technically is behind the Sono Baking Company, which is on the corner of Hannaford and Water Street. Pretty cool, man. That's really exciting and really interesting things to talk about. Yeah, it is. 
Speaking of old times in Norwalk, I think you had another story in the notes that you were talking about sharing. Oh, my. I do think it's important to note that in our time of growing up, I think there's a lot less supervision for children. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure if you were to talk to our parents, they would say that there was even less supervision for them when they were children. As I've heard lots of stories of my dad growing up in Stanford, Connecticut with no supervision. You know, let's 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 tell a story that involves uh, two underage men, you and I, smoking cigars. Yeah. So this happened, I believe, at your house. I think we were maybe sixteen or seventeen, or maybe I was fifteen. You were sixteen. You were my elder, and that was a little inappropriate. Yeah. But um, yeah. we were at we were at your house, and we had bought these partigas that were in this little glass tube. I believe they cost somewhere in the range of eight or nine dollars. Yes. And we'd planned on smoking these bad boys and going for a walk in the woods. And your sister said, hey, where are you guys going? Well, we were on our way out of the house and we said, we're going for a walk. Can I come? Like, nah, we're just going to go for a walk. Because I don't. I think we thought we were going to get in trouble if we told her what we were going to be doing. She was probably like 13, maybe 14 at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of excluded her and went for a walk and lit our cigars. And as we're going for a walk, we, we came to a cliff. And it's, we important, that f- it's important to note that at the time, my family and I lived at a nature center in Connecticut. Um, yep. so because you're wild walk, animals. Yeah, because we were all wild animals, yes. Um, our walk did involve nature trails at a nature center. So anyways, go ahead. So she said, no, you're not. What are you guys doing? No, we're, we're just going for a walk. We're going for a walk, just, just, just the two of us. Oh, whatever. So we come to a cliff, and I'm looking over the cliff, and I, I got to pee. So <laughs> I said, hey, I'm going to pee off this cliff. So I put the cigar in my mouth and start peeing off the cliff. And I could have sworn I, I hear somebody like saying something or making noise like kind of in the distance. <laughs> and I, I didn't really know what it was, honestly. And I finished <laughs> peeing and uh, zipped my pants up. And I think the drop from the cliff was maybe 30 to 50 feet down. <laughs> and as we're walking back to the house, maybe you have a better recollection than I, but I believe your sister was wearing a white shirt at the time that was now sprinkled with yellow spots. Yes, her and my cousin were both down there. Right. Apparently, she thought it would be fun to go anticipate where we would where we would where we would be walking to and wait at the bottom of the cliff, um, yep. not knowing and not anticipating that my first uh, instinct would be to pee off the cliff at the exact and spot where they, she was standing. <laughs> just so happened she was standing directly underneath us. So <laughs> God only knows what she witnessed, but uh, she was very upset. She was very upset, if I remember. Correctly. Yes, she was. She still is very upset about that. <laughs> if she listened to this, it would bring up anger in her. <laughs> oh, not many. Well, that's not true. I think a lot of people might be able to say they peed on your sisters, but I'm one of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. 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 Th- those, th- a lot of cigars are smoked in those woods on those trails. Yeah. And I will not name the nature center. I will also not name the director of the nature center. 
But uh, my family rented what would have been the staff house. But the guy who was the director at the time did not live there. He had his own house down the road, so they rented it out. So my, my family moved to Connecticut. Um, my, we were about to purchase a house, and there were a ton of issues with the house once we were about to move into it and couldn't move into that house, so we had to find a rental and moved there. And I do remember, like, as a teenager, um, you and I used to paintball in those woods at a nature center, which is not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and occasionally some of those paintballs would splatter on trees along the trails. So at one point in time, um, the director of the nature center had mentioned if we had seen anybody paintballing out there because that was not allowed. So I, of Oh, course, no. Being, I haven't seen anyone. Well, I, of course, being a good kid at that time, said, well, I have to be honest with you, sir, as I won't give his name out. Um, I said, What's it rhyme with? Um, it rhymes with Ron. <laughs> okay. All right, Ron. Um, but, uh, but anyways, um, I confess that it was me and a friend of mine, and he laughed and said, well, hey, you know, if you guys want to paintball out there, just keep it after hours and keep it off the trails. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, he was a good man. I remember you and I, because we didn't have any other friends, would <laughs> start at opposite ends None of the woods. None worth hanging out at. <laughs> We would start at opposite ends of the woods in my house in Norwalk and hunt each other with paintball guns. Oh, yes. And I remember how dedicated I was to winning to where, like, I would lay down and just suffer mosquito bites just so I would see you first before you saw me. Well, Manny, I don't know if you recall our first time paintballing in the woods behind your house. And we were not. We had, like, I think they were called talons. I think we bought them at, like, Sports Authority or something like that. Oh, the Brass Eagles. Brass eagles, that's what they were. Little, I think they were pumps, if I'm not mistaken. Pump, yeah, pump yep. paintball guns. Yep, but I remember our first time, we were both a little nervous, not knowing what we were getting into, not knowing how it would feel, and we played for a while, did not shoot each other, missed a bunch of times, and then we were like, well, we want to see what this feels like. So we probably stood like 20 feet from each other taking shots and kept missing. So then we were standing right next to each other, and you're like, shoot me here. And I'm like, I'm not going to shoot you. And you're like, shoot me shoot me here. I'm like, this is too close. I'm not going to shoot you. And I remember you pumping that gun mm-hmm. at least 10 times and putting it point blank to the bare skin on your arm. On my bare wrist, on the, on the vein side, like on the underside of my wrist. Oh, just pulling the trigger and then screaming yep. in pain. Oh, I, my, I was so stupid. I, I squished one of the paintballs in my fingers. I was like, oh, these break easy. Watch this. So I shot myself in the wrist, and then for the next week, I couldn't move three of my fingers because it was all swollen around the tendons. Oh, Oh, and that was with, like, a cheap, crappy paintball gun. Never mind if it was the real deal. Yep. (laughs) Oh, good old times, man. It makes me scared to have boys, to be honest with you. Ugh, my boys are running around the house naked for, like, 15 minutes today screaming. (laughs) Just having the time of their life. Yep. Yeah. What's funny is that doesn't change much up to the point till 10. I mean, arguably, it doesn't change. Yeah, at all, ever. <laughs> your wife is still yelling at you to put your pants on? <coughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> hey, you want another article that is uh, helping us get through this tough new world that we are facing? Yeah. All right, this was a USA Today article titled... Police department urges residents who have run out of toilet paper to stop calling 911. No. An Oregon police department is dealing with an odd emergency of its own during the coronavirus outbreak. Too many people calling 911 because they've run out of toilet paper. 
So the Newport Police Department in Oregon reminded local residents that there are more urgent issues than being short on toilet paper. It's hard to believe that we even have to post this, the department wrote on its Facebook page early Sunday morning. Do not call 911 just because you ran out of toilet paper. You will survive without our assistance. Toilet paper shortages are rampant, both in big box stores such as Walmart and Costco and on Amazon, which is working around the clock to restock the necessity. The police department listed some toilet paper alternatives out of history, citing the fact that both Mayans and colonial era Americans used corn cobs. (laughs) <laughs> for what it's worth bidets oh bidets I'm so, wow is that how it's spelled <laughs> yes it is bidets the bathroom appliance that sprays water on his user's rear are also gaining in popularity in any case the Newport Police Department advises residents to be resourceful and patient during these tough times there is a TP shortage they write this too shall pass just don't call 911 we cannot bring you toilet paper oh gosh do people not shower? I don't know, man. That's what I keep saying. If you're stuck at home and, and you run oh, out of toilet ahead. paper, just take a shower. Or just poop next to your shower and then shimmy on over. I mean, it's not like toilet paper really cleans it. You're just smearing it all over until it's dry. Yeah, unless it's Charmin. There's been a lot more toilet paper commercials on TV, I feel like, recently. Well, I don't think they need to invest in marketing at the moment. No, no, they do not. Here's another BS article. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. With constant hand washing amid the coronavirus outbreak, should you stop wearing your Reddit? Your oh my god, I'm having a tough time talking now. With constant hand washing amid the coronavirus outbreak, should you stop wearing your wedding ring? Um, This is also from USA Today. You probably know the basics of proper hand washing by now. At least 20 seconds and scrub those fingertips, not just your palms. But what about your wedding ring or wristwatch? Should you take those off while you wash your hands? Can they carry the new coronavirus? (laughs) No, just the old one. As the outbreak of COVID-19 spreads around the globe, public health officials have advised that properly washing your hands is one of the best ways to protect yourself and others. However... What do you do about rings and other jewelry is often not addressed in these guides. Oh, gosh. As if people in a have situation, <laughs> I can't figure this out. You know, I, I need, need help. I need USA Today. I now. need to read what to do. <laughs> I can't think for myself. Morons. Okay. In a situation where we are in extraordinary measures to limit COV- COVID-19 transmission, I think removal of rings jewelry when washing hands, or perhaps limiting their wear altogether right now, represents a wise move forward, says Rochelle Walensky, chief of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Massachusetts General Hospital. Um, Walensky said that past studies have shown that germs can live under rings over time, but there's been limited information on whether this can lead to transmission. This is especially true of COVID-19 virus. As public health officials are still learning about it and studying it, Nikita Desai, a pulmonologist at the Cleveland Clinic, echoed, echoed Walensky's advice. While a lot depends on the specifics of the virus and the surface it is living on, removing jewelry while washing hands may be prudent. When healthcare professionals prepare for sterile procedures such as surgery, hands must be washed free from rings, watches, and jewelry. Well, yeah, because they don't want those ending up in the corpses. 
<laughs> well, we are not expecting Wait, the white general. corpses. Why not the live people too? Well, I guess surgeons that are doing it with hands full of jewelry probably don't do well. Probably yeah, don't have a high success rate. That's a good point. Rate. That's a very good point. <laughs> Uh, uh, while we are not expecting the general public to be prepared for conducting surgery, it greatly reduces the risk of spreading disease to have everyone's hands clean as possible. I like how that's a topic, but yet no one's talking about under your nails. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I almost didn't even have time to read it, but I couldn't help it because of the stupidity oh. of the article. Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot of stupidity out there. I do feel and like that people obviously are going to take it differently. I think I told you about the gentleman who is checking out multiple people at Home Depot. And this guy was probably in his late 60s working as a cashier at Home Depot. I think that's what you'd call them, right? A cashier? Um, yeah. Is that still politically correct? I think so. Okay, good. Just making sure. Is it like checkout assistant? Oh, yeah. Then maybe that's it. <laughs> Checkout administrator. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, this gentleman also had a can of roasted peanuts at his workstation. And while he was just fiddling around with people's cash and debit cards, he was also shoving peanuts into his mouth. <laughs> oh. And I was like, either this guy just doesn't give a crap about coronavirus or this guy's just hoping to die. You know, the good thing is if you do get coronavirus, you can't get it again. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I actually read an article on this last night. I mean, if it's like every other single flu of this type, you develop uh, an immunity to it um, for at least months, if not years, following the exposure that you had. Nice. So if you if you survive it, that's what like one one neurosurgeon. You mean when was, you survive it? <laughs> yeah. One neurosurgeon uh, had gotten it, and he's almost recovered and he was saying i'm just looking forward to being back to work and i don't have to follow any of the safety procedures because i'm not contagious and i can't get it although if he oh that's a good point unless i guess he got it on himself but if if he had the live germ on his hands and he like picked a patient's nose or went into their brain with unwashed hands yeah i mean i guess he could pass it along yeah well you've got people who obviously are gonna sit there eating nuts you've got people who are worrying about their rings and then you've got my 10 year old I'm sorry, my eight-year-old, who uh, we did make a rule for them that we can go to parks locally around our house that we can walk to, but we cannot play in the playgrounds. Um, I do feel like that playgrounds are typically a German-infested place. <laughs> Without something like German. this around. No, germ-infested. <laughs> just Not German-fested. <laughs> Sounds um, fun. But uh, so anyways, <laughs> at their school, there's a big field. So we walk past the school, past the playground, and we've been going up there and throwing a football a couple days this week, and as we're walking up to the field, there's stairs with railings, and I, just so you know, this is something I tell my eight-year-old all the time, as he likes to touch everything he comes into contact with, and also loves to put his fingers in his mouth. Um, I was like, hey, buddy, let's not touch the railing all the way up. Like, there's no reason to touch the railing, you know, unless you're going to fall. Like, you don't need to touch the railing. And then he was like, why? Because of coronavirus? And as he's taking his hands off the railing, he just looks at me. And sticks his tongue out and starts licking his fingers. Oh, oh! <laughs> and I was like, and this is why we don't do playgrounds. Forget this is the how, coronavirus. Is... You probably got hookworm and diabetes oh, and cancer. It's not, the, it's not the cleanest field, too. <laughs> I was like, well, also, man, I don't think you can contract cancer that way. <laughs> that nasty little. Well, hey, to be fair, we don't know. That is true. In this day and age, who knows? Yeah, with 
mutating coronavirus. Who knows what it'll become next? Yep. Yep. All right. You ready for another to topic? Say, well, well oh, hold please. on. You did make a you did make mention in I think it was the article about the smoke shop that's a smoking lounge that's becoming coronavirus free. Um there, there, he did mention that for those of you who think this is a hoax, I think at this point in time, are there really people that believe that this is still a hoax? Uh, no, I think just the opposite. I think people are thinking that we're going to become a police state and uh, be on complete lockdown for the next 12 months. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I do. I mean, there's people that, I mean, believe all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, I do know there's people that just think that we're just overreacting, which I think that overreacting maybe is a little better than underreacting in this situation. Um, mm. But uh, but I, I it does kind of drive me a little crazy to think that there's people that think that this isn't actually a thing at this point. I mean, like global warming? Yeah. Uh, what do you call them? A corona denier? Yeah, exactly. A corona denier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we coined it here first, folks. <laughs> I like it. I like that. Corona denier. I do know someone on Facebook. I don't know him that well personally, but he is very close to being a corona denier. Deny corona. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, no. What'd you do oh. that caused you to curse on our episode? Sorry, I dropped my cigar. Manny. It fell on the floor and the ash fell off and it was everything was going perfect. Your bare ash was rolling across the floor. Oh, all right, I think we're okay. I think I'm okay. I'm okay. How how much longer do you have on that bad boy? I'm okay. I'm all right. Uh, I'm about an inch from the band. Wow! I just put mine out. Oh wow! No, I'm I still going. Out. I mean, I let it go out. <laughs> you do. <laughs> so yeah, I probably got another I don't know fifteen twenty minutes of this thing and. It's still really good. I am not bored with it. In fact, it seems to be getting stronger um, nice. towards the band. Maybe that's, I don't know. I, a lot of people wrote that it just stayed the same. Uh, oh, my. Excuse me. Which, once again, if you have a good cigar, who cares if it lasts two hours of just being good? I feel like that's the case with most really large cigars that I've smoked, is that you you can only have so much diversity of flavor in a blend. Like at a, if it's like ten inches long, it's not going to change throughout the entire thing. Like yeah, for for a while, it's just going to be smoking the same tobacco. Yeah, I think the other uh, bigger cigar that I've smoked was the um, I had that Greycliff Jolly Roger that I got when we were in the Bahamas, um, and that was kind of the same thing. It was a really good cigar. It smoked for about two hours, and it was the, was the same. Yeah, it was just the same thing the entire smoke, but it was enjoyable the entire time. All right. So we had talked a little bit about lighters. Yes. And I think it's important to, I mean, I think it's probably the most important thing going on right now is that uh, we understand <laughs> that we cover the different types of lighters, pros and cons, different types of lighters that you can use, and my own personal favorite, and... My personal least favorite. Um, I, I divided them into categories. Uh, so first I have torch lighters. So, you know, everyone knows the regular Bic lighter. It's just a little flame. But a torch lighter uses pressurized butane to have a small, very hot torch flame. 
And they make single torch lighters where it's a single flame. They make three torch lighters, seven torch lighters. They get a little crazy. Yeah, and some some of these torch lighters, I mean, you can get a, a good torch lighter for 10 bucks. You can also get a good torch lighter for 150 bucks. Yeah. Um, and everything in between. So there's like Lamborghini puts out these super high tech looking big bulky torch lighters, which I don't have any of. Um, but I, I do, I do always have a couple torch lighters laying around. Um, it yeah, helps I think most commonly you find them in three flame. Yeah. And it helps a lot, especially when you're lighting a cigar that's a little bigger to get an even light when you start, cause it's a really hot flame. Um, and it's, uh, just takes a lot less time to get your cigar lit. Yeah. Which I think is important. I mean, I don't always use, I'd say more often than not, I actually use a Bic to light a cigar. I know that there's some purists out there that might uh, might be scoffing at me, but uh, I do have to say that often if you're lighting it with a match or like something like a Bic lighter, just a standard lighter, that you tend to have to puff on it a lot more at the beginning. To where if you have, if I'm using my torch lighter, which I have right here, uh, I do have a Zyco. Uh, I believe I got this for like thirty bucks online. It is a three flame torch lighter. Works great when it's above 55 degrees. <laughs> Does not work at all when it's below 55 degrees. Huh. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. Like, every, almost every click. Oh, of course I spoke. Uh, anyways, when you are using a torch lighter, though, you can kind of toast up the end of the cigar before you even put it in your mouth. And then when you hit it to your mouth, you, I mean, it's like one or one, two puffs, like, at most, I find, and that cigar's lit. So when you're As lighting a cigar... To- you're you're also drawing through it to get the to get it lit. So it's not just going to light by touching a flame to it. You have to draw through it while you have the flame at the end of the cigar. Yes. And rotate it. Yes. The cigar that is to get an even burn, not rotate your your dance moves. Right. Um so that's torch lighters. Then there's uh what I used today. No. A Zippo. Sounds like a Zippo. My personal favorite for lighting a cigar. Um, it's usually a big, fl- like a bigger flame than a little Bic lighter. And for some reason, I just, f- I don't know. I-, I think it always tastes a little better when I use a Zippo lighter. Maybe it's the fuel. Maybe it's the heat of the flame. But that's my personal favorite. Nice. Yeah, I'm just not too picky. As long as I can get a cigar lit, I'm happy. Which is why I almost never use matches. I like um, I like the Zippos because it doesn't matter what temperature it is. Yeah. Um, and the only downside is they need to be refilled periodically, but that's really easy to do. So I always keep a little container of the Zippo fluid in my car somewhere so I can always refill it if I need to. But, yeah. You do also have to refill uh, torch lighters as well. Uh, good point. <laughs> and for that, <laughs> you it's not as simple as just you know, uh, filling it with fluid, you need to get a canister of pressurized butane and the proper attachment for the valve on the, usually the bottom of the torch lighter. And it's a, it's a, you have to push it in to depress the valve. And then the butane is exchanged between the pressurized can and it pressurizes the lighter, um, and refills it with butane. Yeah, and most most of those refillable cartridges or those refilling cartridges come with multiple attachments. 
I don't think I've yep. ever gotten like I don't think I've ever found myself in a place where I didn't have the attachment with it. And they also last a really long time. Yeah. Like one one you know small can of butane lighter fluid will probably fill you know 20 lighters. Yeah, easily. Um so then that brings us to uh Bic lighters. Yeah. Your standard uh plastic Small flame, single flame, Bic lighters. Um, again, probably my next best favorite, uh, aside from a Zippo, but oftentimes it's what you have around because they're cheap and they're everywhere, and I've got Bic lighters all over the place. Yep, same thing here. I think it's important to note, some people insist on taking off the little uh, safety thing. Yeah, just, there's like a little safety tab that people insist on prying off. I, it doesn't bother me any. No, I've, I, if anything, it bothers me more to, if it's not there. <laughs> uh, I hate the ones that have the wrapper around it because the wrapper always burns and ends up fraying and falling off. Oh, like the decorative wrapper? Yep. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that you should get rid of those during the coronavirus outbreak. Oh, why is that? Well, I mean, imagine the amount of filth that can get, collect on the edge of that wrapper. That's true. I heard coronavirus can last years. Yeah. Years that's on the surface true. of a BIC. That's that's not true. It's three hours to three days. Yeah, depending on the surface. Right. Uh, that brings us to the next category of lighters, which is my least favorite. And they actually don't have a name other than crack torches. <laughs> uh, Wait, when you say crack torch, are you talking about like an actual torch or are you talking about like those even cheaper plastic lighters, the clear see-through ones? Yes, these are the cheapest lighters, the clear see-through ones um, that always break and never stay lit and the flame never really adjusts well. It's the cheapest thing you can buy. And they get their name crack torches. Because they're often used to heat up crack and meth pipes. Because there's a way to like mess with them somehow or break them so that they produce like a really large flame. Yep. And so you can heat up like a big glass pipe with that. Um, so they're super cheap and they're awful. They're made by a company called Ace A C E. Yep. And anyone who uses these or brings these to any social gathering deserves ridicule and humiliation. And they most likely are either crackhead or a meth head. Yeah, for sure they are. And I've definitely been ridiculed when I realized the only lighter I have to help people out is one of those. No one wants to use those. And they always give me crap for it if I have one of those around. You know, here's an important thing to mention, Manny. When talking about lighters. And it doesn't happen as much in the cigar community. Uh, but it really does depend on who you're smoking with. But uh, one thing about just having your standard Bic lighters is those often make it into other people's pockets. I had a friend that I worked with who would constantly steal lighters, constantly. And it wasn't like, oh. like, like I've, you know, especially back in like the smoking two packs a day days, you know, where you're just always reaching in your pocket for a lighter. And if you can't find one, you, someone else hands you one and you just by habit throw it back in your pocket. Um, first of all, you can't like accidentally throw someone's torch lighter in your pocket. Like, there's some weight to that, you know. I mean, you could, but most likely you're just trying to steal that thing. Um, <laughs> but I did have a friend that I worked with when I was doing landscaping back in the day who would always steal lighters. So I started to take a sharpie marker and I'd put a dot on the bottom, 
That way when, because what would always happen is I'd buy a brand new lighter. He'd end up pocketing it and I'd be like, hey, dude, I think you took my lighter. No, this is mine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you bought that hot pink one right there? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's mine. No, I just bought a hot pink one this morning knowing that if you took it, I would know it was mine. No, it's totally mine. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, look at the bottom. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I just put that uh, permanent marker dot there. He literally would say that to my face. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started using different color markers, and I would have them for different days. <laughs> <laughs> so me and a buddy used to like, coordinate what days we're going to use what color you know, lighter slash permanent marker. That way... If our buddy pocketed one, we'd be like, dude, we know you didn't happen to put a yellow marker or a blue marker. Like we had like the mini Sharpies like in our work truck specifically to catch this guy stealing our at that time 99 cent lighters. Did he steal other stuff or just lighters? Uh, as far as I know, it was just lighters. <laughs> wow. Like it was it was um, like he accidentally took it, but then just never had like the I don't know, never just had the guts just to be like, oh, yeah, sorry, man, this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> like he'd have like 10 lighters in his spot. It's not like he needed a lighter. He just was so stubborn that he wouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, this must be yours. Huh. So well, that's let me something read to keep you, note of. You know, one thing I advise is people, if they're worried or, or wondering what the definition of a, a term or a word is, is to check out Urban Dictionary. Yes. And uh, Urban Dictionary has a definition for a crack lighter, <laughs> um, which sadly was the most accurate uh, definition of these types of lighters I could find. So, crack lighter is a clear lighter typically made by Ace with an adjustable flame switch, often used for lighting cigarettes, blunts, or of course, crack cocaine. Made with a notoriously cheap flint wheel that often locks up, not very useful in areas with high winds. <laughs> the example they give is person one, man, I need a smoke. Can I borrow your lighter? Person two, yeah, sure, here. Person one, Oh, man, what the F? A crack lighter? I'll just go buy a Bic at the bodega. <laughs> They're also known as crack torch and tweaker lighter. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just so yeah, don't buy there. those. Yep. Nope. Have a little, have a little uh, I don't know, self-confidence, a little respect for yourself. So this yeah, cigar get is getting Bic. strong, man. Yeah? Oh, it's picking up at the end. Oh, boy. All that tar and nicotine all building up. It's starting to develop that ring of oil just behind the burn line. Oh, yeah. It looks like I like spilled water on it, but it's just the oil surfacing on the leaves. And this this is really strong now. It's finishing as a full-body cigar after how long have I been burning this thing? Two hours. Two, Yeah, two and a quarter hours. Yep. Whew. It's uh, quite a cigar, and uh, this is more like a T-52, like a really strong T-52 is kind of what it tastes like now. Mm. So I'm, I'm almost jealous. done. Yeah, you should be. Uh, I know you went in to find one, and uh, the store owner said, uh, yeah, I'd love to get those too, but we don't have them. Yeah, he practically laughed at me. Thanks a lot, Andy, if you're listening. Tell him I smoked it in a half hour and didn't even enjoy it outside <laughs> in the cold. <laughs> Spit on it. Yeah. Cut it in half and split lit, it with a friend. Lit the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I'm almost done, I have one more article because I think we're just reaching for any content uh, that's BS at this point. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear any BS article that's just filling in right. content. 
All right, you stop me when you've when you've grown tired of this. But here here it is. This is from Women's Health. Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm okay. sorry. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Uh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Here's the article from Women's Health. The way Channing Tatum looks at Jesse J <laughs> proves they're going to last this time. What? A body language expert spills all of the details. <laughs> So there's six reasons why we know Channing Tatum and Jesse J are going to last. One, Jesse and Channing's feet know they're a good fit. You might think the big giveaway is Jesse and Channing's leaning on each other, but nope, feet are very telling when it comes to nonverbal communication cues. Channing and Jesse's feet are angled towards each other, which is their subtle way of telling onlookers there's no one else they'd rather be standing next to. Okay, number two, they're literally connected. Both Channing and Jesse have fully engaged smiles with each other that involve their entire face, meaning they are completely focused on one another and dismissing everything else that's going on around them, says Donaldson. Number three, they are equal. Wait, 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 wait. Jesse and Channing. Wait, I'm sorry, what's that? Wait. (laughs) What? Where did you come up with this article? Like, what were this you searching like, that this is what you found? Uh, well, this was uh, on Yahoo News in between a bunch of Corona and Trump-related articles. And I thought oh. this stood out as complete BS, and so I needed to read it. Nice. All right, then. All right, number three. They're equals. Jesse and Channing are mirrors of each other here. There's a picture that's not worth looking at, by the way. They're both looking into each other's eyes and have one arm around each other. Their similar stances mean they're on the same page mentally and emotionally. And since neither is pulling the other one in, Donaldson knows neither one is more in control of the relationship. They're partners on equal footing. Number four. Channing still makes protective gestures. Jesse leads the way, however. <laughs> yeah, we can be done. <laughs> we can be done. I mean, if anyone's listening at this point, I'm sure they don't mind this article. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, man. I, I don't know who. I, I honestly don't know who. Uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you do know who. Okay, you want me to read the last two reasons? Yeah, might as well. I mean, we've come this far. Number five, their expressions flaunt their love. This body language shows how emotionally invested Channing and Jesse are in each other, says Donaldson. Jesse giving him a peck for the photo and Channing's eye contact with the lens and smirk are their ways of showing how proud they are of their relationship and the love they have for each other. And finally, number six, the way Channing looks at Jesse says it all. This photo was taken right after Channing and Jesse got back together, and Channing's body language makes Donaldson sure he's in the right relationship for the long haul. His look at Jesse is one of love and lust, she says. Two feelings that convince her Channing is really into Jesse, and that's not about to change. But we all know... If history's uh, the best predictor of behavior, they'll be split again soon. Wait, was that in the article? No, that's my uh, addendum. Oh, nice. Well done. Thanks, man. Well done. That was that was a great way to end the podcast. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, you know what? This has been great as always, Manny. As any, always. Uh, any concluding thoughts on this marathon of a Corona episode? 
Um, I mean, just stay safe, you know? Don't pick your nose. Don't eat it. If you pick your nose, you know, just... I mean, I guess at that point, you might as well eat it. Right? You all right I mean, back there? Starving. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just don't be crazy. Don't be stupid. That, 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 that's all my concluding thoughts about coronavirus. When it comes to the cigar, though, delicious cigar. Well worth the money. I would definitely buy it again. Um, although it might take me another three years to find two hours to smoke it. But, yeah, I liked right. it. It was good. And and I, I can't thank my buddy Jay enough. Uh, the Siri A from Liga Pravada was... A once-in-a-lifetime experience. It was pretty awesome. Unless he sends you another one. That's true. Hey, Jay, send him two next time. Yeah, come on, man. Hook a brother up. Tuning in. <laughs> Good night. And don't get the corona. Good night. Good night.